This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, Rich Zioli. I told you so. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Obviously, we all knew DeSantis was going to drop out before New Hampshire. We all did. We all gave him that advice, and he took it from all of us, because that's how everybody owns it on a day like today. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. But obviously, I was saying it all last week, every day, and... I was saying it prior to Iowa, too. If DeSantis wants to save his political future, he needs to get out of the race. And so when he finally did get out of the race yesterday, I thought, good, you you have a shot now of, of redemption. You have a shot of redemption for 2028. Because let's face it, it was going to be tomorrow in New Hampshire was going to be a disaster for him. It was going to be bad and ugly. Uh, and it's going to be bad for Nikki Haley, too. I mean, Trump is going to win. Trump's a nominee. I mean, let's face it. I mean, again, I've been saying that for a while. I think a number of us have. But uh, he's he is he is going to be the nominee. No doubt about it. I'm only saying this because I think your time is valuable and I don't want you to waste it. And your time is the is the get the, the thief you would rob, as they say. You can't get it back. You know, it's gone. That's it. So when you invest your time in this program, I want you to know that you're not wasting it. That's why I'm only saying today that, yes, thank you for the tweet saying that I was right when I called that, that DeSantis would have to get out before New Hampshire and that he would, that he would ultimately get out. I mean, I thought it was a chance he was going to jump out on Friday because if you remember, they were queuing up a press conference and if you remember on Friday, it was obviously we were all snowing. So uh, I said, well, let's keep it on there just in case. And then the press conference never happened. So I, I don't know if he got cold feet. I don't know if, if he was thinking about doing it then. And he just got cold feet and just figured I can't do it. I don't know if he needed to go back to Florida. I, I don't know. I don't know what. But obviously his decision yesterday has now set him into the good graces of Trump world. And that's the other thing. The other advantage that I was saying all last week and prior to Iowa was if you get out of the race, then Donald Trump's going to like you again. He's already retired the name to Sanctimonious. It's retired. And his supporters will will eventually welcome you back. Many of them are I'm still a little miffed at you, but they'll come back, especially when you help him win, which DeSantis, I assume, will do. I, I, I imagine he's going to play a role in the campaign. And, you know, after Tim Scott backed Donald Trump and, and now, of course, Nancy Mace is on board with Donald Trump. I mean, it's really a question of who's backing Nikki Haley. And she's the, the never Trump darling. 
I mean, she's the never Trump favorite. You know, a lot of people were backing DeSantis early on because they thought, well, maybe Trump can't win. I like his policies. I like him, but maybe he can't win. Maybe maybe there's too much drama, maybe whatever. Um, but Nikki Haley has embraced the the anti-Trump crowd, the never Trump crowd, the, the anyone but Trump crowd. And I've noticed that there are some people who, when DeSantis got out of the race, they, they turned around, they said, all right, well, I'll back Trump. Like, no big deal. But I'm not seeing a lot of them turning around and saying they're going to back Nikki Haley. I am seeing a lot of them turning around and saying they, they may go third party. Uh, they may look to see, oh, oh, unless Trump picks DeSantis as his running mate. But a lot of the people, I don't see any DeSantis people going to Nikki Haley, which tells me that DeSantis was never the never Trump candidate. You know, he was never the guy in the race who was there to, to stop Trump. I mean, he wasn't Chris Christie. Nikki Haley, I don't think, was that originally. I don't think Nikki Haley thought she was going to get as far as she's gotten. She, and she's not very far. But, I mean, in terms of at least being the last person standing prior to Tuesday, because really, it's that's it. I mean, it's just a two-person race going into Tuesday. And that's what the establishment ultimately wants. I mean, they want, they want a two-person race from now until the convention. Hope that Trump gets arrested, is jailed, executed on the spot, and then that's the end of him. And then she can get the nomination. I don't see that happening, though. I mean, even if Trump is jailed and executed on the spot, which with this government, I, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. But I, what I mean is that I, I still think there'd be an effort to get DeSantis back in. Or whoever Trump's running mate is for that person to then get Trump's delegates and, and, and be, the, be the guy. Now, there's some ambiguity around whether or not Trump could even pick DeSantis, considering the fact that the president and the vice president are not supposed to be from the same state. So and Trump is a, a Florida resident. So I don't I don't see that happening. I never saw that happening. I don't think DeSantis would want to do that anyway. I don't really think that's a thing. Uh, but Tim Scott got engaged over the weekend. He got engaged over the weekend. Beautiful woman. Maybe perhaps Tim Scott will get the nod. You know, the rumor is that it's going to be a it'll be a man, not a woman. Who knows? Nobody knows but Trump, by the way. I've told you this a million times. He'll, he'll make his decision and it'll be – and he could change his mind 15 times before he actually decides on the person. But, but yeah, Tim Scott got engaged over the weekend, which is an inter- – the timing is very interesting. You know, he endorses Trump on Friday. He gets engaged over the weekend. You know, is he on the short list? Absolutely, I think he's on the short list. No doubt. No doubt about it. And he certainly helped himself by endorsing Trump before DeSantis got out of the race in New Hampshire. Because everybody who jumps on board with Trump today, like Nancy Mace and others, you kind of look a little bit late to the party. I mean, it's good to have you, but you look a little late to the party. For DeSantis voters who don't like Trump, they're not jumping on Nikki Haley's train. Not a lot anyway, maybe here or there, but they are thinking to themselves, maybe something I'll I'll like who he picks as his running mate, whatever. But the never Trump movement itself, you know, that group of, of people, that vile group of the Lincoln Project and all that, they're all in on Nikki. as are Democrat voters in New Hampshire, too, because Democrat voters can vote in tomorrow's primary in New Hampshire. And so the Trump campaign is already counting on the fact that they're going to have a lot of Democrats voting in that election for Nikki Haley. And they're probably not wrong. I mean, it seems to me like if you are a Democrat and you don't really have a race and you want to stop Trump, this is your chance. Plus, I've told you before, the establishment can live with Nikki Haley. Look, all last week, my advice to DeSantis every day, every day was get out. 
get out of the race. I did several monologues on it. If you don't believe me, they're podcasts for you. I know a lot of people today might be saying that they were saying that last week, but I really was several times. I said it almost daily. I did say it every day. I said, get out of the race. Don't stay in the race. You don't want to be remembered as the guy who came in third in New Hampshire. You don't want to be that guy. Because if you're that guy, your chances at 2028 are done. Plus, you know, Trump, Trump supporters may not come back to you. That's the other story, too. It's the other issue of this. Now, whether or not uh, Nikki Haley does, does really, really well tomorrow in New Hampshire, it doesn't really matter after that in terms of where her support goes because it's just not there. This is not a, a classic two-person race here. It really, it really isn't. It, 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 I know it sounds like it is because there's two people in the race, but when you look at the polls, it really is not a two-person race at this point. It's, it's a runaway for Trump really after this. I mean, even New Hampshire voters who think that they might vote for Nikki Haley now that DeSantis is out, they still think Trump's going to get the nomination. And with a the latest poll having him at least a, potentially anywhere from a 27-point lead in New Hampshire to, you know, on the low side, 18, 20 points, it's going to be a blowout for him. And then where do you go if you're Nikki Haley? Where do you go? You go to South Carolina and you lose in your own state and you stay in, you just keep, you just keep going along just you know but the problem though is that if you have a republican establishment that is hell-bent on stopping him and if you can get the money and you can stay in the race you're going to have people in your orbit telling you stay in the race there's no downside to it you're not going to hurt yourself and in her case if this is it for her there's no 2028 option you know what i mean this is it I really, I, I mean that. Where DeSantis has rehabilitated himself, Haley is just, just doing more damage to herself every single day, it seems. But are there people in her orbit that are turning around and saying, you know what, Gov, you can you can do this? Of course they are. So there are people getting paid. There are people getting paychecks. They're, they're political consultants getting paychecks and political operatives and consultants and everybody else. They don't want to lose that gravy train. They're not getting hired by Trump's campaign at this point. So where are they going to go? You know, a lot of the congressional races, for the most part, have already staffed out. The Senate races staffed out. So now you got to look to 2025. There's, I think, two races in the country, the New Jersey governor's race and then the Virginia governor's race. That's it. So then you got to look to 2026. You know what I mean? So as long as there's people in her orbit that can, that, and the checks can cash, I think that becomes her strategy. And it'll be annoying in many respects but at the same time it's not going to be a real race it's going to be a race where you know i i I stay in on the off chance that something happens to this guy and and then i'm i i I become the nominee but i think that that just still doesn't happen if that's the case i I still think that the party the, the, the average republican primary voter would still reject haley even if the establishment was pushing her that's how I see it. Now, Tim Scott's going to campaign with Trump tonight in New Hampshire. He's on the trail with him. It would be a, it'd be a great match, no doubt. Trump-Scott, I mean, it'd be a great team. And, you know, the question, obviously, is, you know, Nikki Haley disappointed by that? Yeah, she's disappointed. She appointed Senator Tim Scott to the Senate. She feels like they're buds. But, you know, he says, bottom line is that um, Trump's the better guy. And he knows Trump's going to win. Tim Scott's a smart politician. At the end of the day, it's really what it comes down to, right? You're a smart, you're a smart politician. So 
That's why all the people that are that are backing him now are are smart. The people that aren't, like Asa Hutchinson, Asa the Hat, he's backing Haley. Is it why? What? Why are you doing that at this point? Other than to show your never Trump bona fides, and that's really what it comes down to, right? That's what that's what that's what, that's what guys like him are, are 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 shooting for. And he's not alone in that. There are others out there too, but. You talk about the panic that is in the establishment right now. John Kelly, who was Trump's first chief of staff, John Kelly, you know, he he's he's already going out there and like like many other people are freaking out about this. The swamp is freaking out. There are people within the orbit of this who are really nervous that this is going to be Biden versus Trump. And I've told you that if it comes down to being Biden versus Trump and they think Trump can win. Despite all the cheating. I mean, there's a general election Trump-Biden poll. It's Harvard-Harris. It's got Trump up by six. It's a freaking Harvard-Harris poll. It's not even a conservative poll. So if they think there's any chance Trump can win, and they think that that Joe Biden doesn't have the ability to stop him, that's where I come back to the idea that maybe they swap Biden out. Because they just can't risk it. They just cannot risk the idea that Trump is going to win again. They can't risk the idea that he's going to go in there and actually come after these people and drain the swamp and 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 imp- implement the kind of changes in the executive branch that we've talked about with our friends over at the Heritage Foundation, where you, you're really going to be able to give the the power back to the president and not to all the unelected, unaccounted bull bureaucrats that are in the executive branch of government. So that's the thing. I mean, it, it's it, it's very possible that as th- these changes occur along the way in the Republican primary, and if it looks like they just can't get Trump out of the race, like and, like with with all their court maneuvers, I mean, and if they really look down and say, even all the cheating can't help us this time around, and as much as we'd love for there to be another pandemic, because I'm sure we'd all love to be able to stop having to deal with that pesky traffic all the time, that may not happen either. So what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? You know, the old geezer in the White House now who's admitting there's a border crisis finally, four years later, admitting there's a border crisis. But this is coming as you've got family members who are suing the Department of Homeland Security after they've lost family members, had family members raped by illegal immigrants. They're speaking out. They're saying this is this has got to stop. You know what I mean? And so as all these things occur, you've got to wonder to yourself, what is Biden bringing to the table? And so he's back to yelling about MAGA. He's back to screaming about MAGA. You MAGA people, you, with all your hatred and your MAGA-ness. But it's not a winning message. I mean, even David Axelrod came out and said that, too. This is not not how you win elections. You know, you're not going to win elections by telling everybody all the time how terrible people are. Jamie Dimon said it last week. You know, that clip of Jamie Dimon at the WEF, which went viral, was Jamie Dimon saying that, too. I cut the crap with the deplorables. Stop all that. By the way, this is the big story of the day. It is the preview to the New Hampshire primary, and it's brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, for that beautiful smile that you deserve. So, yeah, I mean, you, when you've got guys like Jamie Dimon, David Axtra, and others coming out and saying, listen, you got to stop with this whole deplorables thing enough because these are people these are your fellow americans and you can disagree with them on things but it's not a winning strategy to go out there and just crucify these people all the time and say how horrible they are and you got it you got to find something else but but if you don't have a message though if you don't have a winning message then all you can do is try to stoke fear i just don't think the fear thing's working either so that's the real problem they have right now the Biden administration is, is doing everything it possibly can to just hand out free money 
Remember on Friday, I went into detail with you about the student loans, how they're still giving out all this money, the student loan money. They're still paying down people's student debts. I mean, they're trying every way they can. They just basically hand out free cash. Because money does talk, baby. At the end of the day, money talks. BS walks. In the meantime, in uh, Georgia, in that case, Fannie Willis, that that case is going to collapse. I mean, it's, it's going to completely collapse. As more details come out about her, her little boy toy that she got $650,000 for, and uh, his divorce records are coming out, and it's all, ooh, it's not looking good for her in Georgia. I think that whole case is going to crumble. And then you have the problem for Jack Smith, which is the Supreme Court has to weigh in on several things regarding the federal election case. So that could drag on well into the fall, and by then, it may be too late for him. The New York case is civil. It doesn't come with jail time. So as much as I think it's completely unconstitutional, it's, you know, it's not going to lock. That's like you're not going to lock Trump, Trump up there. A judge has just unsealed uh, in this in this Fannie Willis case, pushback on a decision whether Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis will be de- deposed, but unsealed the Fulton County prosecutor's divorce case. So a judge on Monday ordered court records of the divorce proceedings of a special prosecutor, Nathan Wade. He's the gumad of Fannie Willis. And he's handling the Georgia election interference case. This is a guy with no prosecutorial background. He was a municipal court judge. He dealt with traffic tickets. Anyway, that case is going to be unsealed. The judge has not said whether or not Fannie Willis will be deposed. Cobb County Superior Court Judge Henry Thompson ruled that he was vacating a previous order that kept records of the divorce proceeding sealed. That is what attorney Ashley Merchant, who represents former Trump campaign staffer and one-time White House aide Michael Roman, had asked the court to do. I find that the prior order, although it was by consent parties, was not properly entered because uniform superior court rules requiring a hearing to be had. We find no evidence that any such hearing was ever had, so I'm going to grant the motion vacating the consent order sealing the record. And I'll, and I'll do that today. I have your written order. Now, the question then becomes, what will happen if Fannie Willis gets deposed? She was originally going to be deposed for Tuesday. But he wants but the judge first wants to hear from Nathan Wade on allegations of an extramarital affair during an evidentiary evidentiary hearing in the divorce case set for January 31st. So you see that that dude's got his own set of problems. It seems to me that Mr. Wade would be first and best source of information on what his income has been and how he's spending it. And that he would have firsthand knowledge of whether he's engaged in an extramarital affair. Only after I hear what Mr. Wade has to say, do I think I can make a determination of whether the proposed dependent has any unique knowledge about these issues. Because once again, this is a math problem and we need to find a solution to it. Translation. Uh, was the, uh, the prosecutor having a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade? He's going to go on. He's going to be asked that under oath, and he's going to say yes. And then the question that his his ex wife is going to say is, "Did you did you write this income down? Am I getting money? Am I getting a piece of this action?" And the answer is going to be no. And then they're going to have to probably bring Fannie Fannie Willis in. And then as they do that, goodbye to that case, because now it's going to look like she has been doing everything she possibly can to go after Trump while enriching herself vis a vis her boyfriend. And that's not good. In any, in any court, that's not good. So the filing says the subpoena is being sought in an attempt to harass and damage Willis's professional reputation. 
and accuses Jocelyn Wade, that's the, um, that's the estranged wife, conspiring with interested parties in the criminal election interference case to use the civil discovery process to annoy, embarrass, and oppress the district attorney. Well, obviously, the district attorney could just turn around and say, no, I'm not having an affair with them, and that'd be the end of it. Because the allegation is that Nathan Wade has been taking trips, Napa, Belize, I hear Belize is beautiful this time of year, Panama, three Caribbean cruises, ever since he filed for divorce, and that Willis was an intended travel partner for at least some of these trips, as indicated by flights he purchased for her to accompany him. The filings include credit card statements that show Nathan Wade, after he'd been hired as special prosecutor, bought plane tickets in October 2022 for him and Willis to travel to Miami and bought tickets in April to San Francisco in their names. So now the estranged wife, the soon-to-be ex-wife, is saying, I'd like to know about this romantic affair. And I also would like to know about whether or not you've been getting money and whether or not I'm entitled to any of it. So all of that coming out means goodbye to the Georgia case against Trump. Bottom line is this. This is very obvious Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. What will the Democrats do? Because they have a real problem with Joe Biden. And they have a bigger problem with uh, Kamala Harris. Because she's, she's even more disliked than Biden is. So they got a problem. What will they do about it? That's the question. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Got a big show for you today as we preview the New Hampshire election tomorrow. We're going to talk to our buddy Jim Bovard. His new book, Last Rights, The Death of American Liberty. This is something you're going to want to hear. We got a lot to talk about, so don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, so we got a bunch of audio for you, obviously, as we look to the fallout of everything. But there is some breaking news. The United States Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision, has gone ahead and said the Biden administration can remove the razor wire the state of texas put in place to try to stop the illegal invasion into the united states of america and their state 5-4 decision which means that several of the so-called 
conservative justices joined in with the left on this. So we'll talk about that as more details coming in. Just literally just broke a few moments ago. This is... Um, Obviously, if you missed DeSantis's message last uh, yesterday, dropping out of the race and endorsing Trump, uh, it was a video message that he posted to his social platform, X. He started on Twitter and he ended on Twitter. He started with that disastrous Twitter spaces launch, which was an epic, you know, it was a mess. Uh, terrible way to start. And then he ended it by putting out a video message, which is a good speech. Look, I've said this before. I like DeSantis a lot. I always, I think he's one of the best governors in the country. I think he, his handling of COVID was outstanding. I think that he is a very talented and smart politician. I think he's got a bright political future. And I think he did the right thing. I 100% do. I, I mean, that's why I said it literally every day last week. He should drop out before New Hampshire. And um, he was going to face a bloodbath, and he was also going to help Nikki Haley. So for all those reasons, he had to get out. And this is what uh, he said yesterday as he dropped out of the race for president of the United States, cut number one. Greetings from Florida. The warmth of being home is a reminder why I've chosen public service. From joining the United States Navy and serving in Iraq, to representing the people in the U.S. Congress, and now serving as governor of Florida. And it reminds me why I decided to run for president, to fight for those who have been forgotten in this country. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. We can choose reckless borrowing and spending, or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination, or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. And, you know, he goes on. I mean, it's it's a long announcement, but he goes on to to essentially say it's obvious that the Republican primary voters are choosing Donald Trump. And so he endorses him. He mentions he had a couple of disagreements with him about COVID and things like that, but he endorsed him. And the way Trump is when you join, you know, the minute that you are on on board, well, then there you go. So he said yesterday that uh, DeSantis is a very terrific person. This is what he said, cut two. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis and, of course, a really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a, a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m. And in so doing, he was very gracious and he endorsed me. So I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And I also look forward to working with Ron and everybody else to defeat crooked Joe Biden. We will have to get him out. We have to get him out. He's put our country at great peril, at great peril. So I just want to thank Ron and uh, congratulate him on doing a very good job. It's a tough situation. It's a tough thing to do. I'm thrilled to be. Um, and then the nickname. 
is officially retired. Officially retired, but just for the record, not from this show, because executive producer Matt DeSantis, who is Matt DeSanctacovitis, because he still has COVID, um, which I don't even know you're allowed to take off work for COVID anymore. I really did. Right? I was shocked by that. Right. And who who on planet Earth still has or knows where to find like COVID tests? And why bother has, at this point? Yeah. Why even bother getting a COVID test? That's what I'm saying. And he's fine. He's just he's he's just a baby. So, you know, he's fine. I mean, he's 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 okay. It's it's not 2020. This isn't the Wuhan strain, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there's but anyone I guess in the building you're probably anyway. happy you don't have to sit next to him at least for a couple of days. Uh yeah, it's kind of nice cuz you know what the the show goes a lot faster this way. See that? There you go. That's good. Uh, so we will still call him Matt DeSanctimonious and Matt DeSanctitraitorous and Matt Um, But this is what he said about regarding the nickname. Cut three. Okay. He just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. There you go. Uh, he also told Fox News that DeSantis worked very hard. He, I mean, he's just going to say positive things about him, and he should. Why not? I, you know, I, I hope that there were calls with between his campaign, uh, DeSantis' campaign, and Trump's campaign, and I hope that that Ron DeSantis will get to either give the nominating speech at the convention or have a big primetime role in the Republican National Convention because he he deserves it. He deserves it. He's a smart, great, prominent Republican governor. Is Florida's a success story and. Now he's on the right team. And he didn't run a stop Trump campaign. It wasn't about that. He just he thought he was going to be a better candidate. He thought that he could he could win in the general election. And that's okay. It's America. You're allowed. We don't have royalty here. So I was never I, I disagreed with people who thought he was a traitor or anything like that. No, but it doesn't matter now. All that's water under the bridge. I mean, that's the thing about politics. It's all water under the bridge. It's not for Chris Christie. Chris Christie is truly a man without a country right now. But um, but for Trump and DeSantis now, they'll be buds. You know, they'll they'll be they'll be buds as, as bud as you can be in politics anyway. And he'll um, he'll help Trump. And, you know, the rest is going to be history after that. Uh, just an update on what I told you, the breaking news around the United States Supreme Court. Uh, five, four decision. Justice John Roberts. Shocking. Siding with the left. And so did Amy Coney Barrett, which is a deep disappointment. Well, Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh dissented. So that's your 5-4 ruling. You've got Roberts and Barrett and then the other justices, the, the Dem justices. Although Roberts really can be counted as that sometimes. And then you have the dissent by the conservatives, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. And the bottom line is that they've, they've, they've told the United States of America, yes, you can stop Texas. They sided with the Biden administration in a case involving a razor wire fence along Texas's border with Mexico. The fact that the, this administration is actually, I mean, suing, like they sued, they sued the state of Texas to say, take down razor wire because that is having an, a, an impact on people trying to cross the border illegally. You know what I mean? The fact that the fact that the, 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 the government of the United States of America is admitting we want to make this easier for people to come to the country. Not harder, easier. So take down the razor wire. And now the Supreme Court has sided with them. And I'm not surprised by that. I'm really not. Because I, 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 John Roberts just never ceases to amaze me. But what is Texas supposed to do is my question. What are they supposed to do? All these people come to Texas and then Greg Abbott sends them to other cities and states around the country because Texas can't bear the brunt of this. And then they all scream about how much they hate them. 
but nobody's doing any, a damn thing about the border. He tries to do something about the border, and the Supreme Court turns around and says you can't. So, you know, it's it, the border issue is something we will continue to talk about throughout the show today. As well as civil liberties, James Bovard is going to join me in a short time. His new book, uh, The Death of American Liberties, out. we got a lot to chat about, including windmills. Just when you thought they were gone, they're coming back. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Offshore wind, it's not over. It's coming back. They will never give it up. I promise you that. They will never stop. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today on our Monday pre-New Hampshire primary edition of the show. Don't forget, two great events coming up for you. The Big Terry Hayes event on February 7th. That's going to be a great night with Terry Hayes. I'm excited for that. His book, The Year of the Locust. All you got to do to get your tickets is go to 1210wphd.com, 1210wphd.com, Wednesday, February 7th, 7 p.m. at Rosemont College. You definitely going to want to be there for that. And secondly, uh, Parks Casino Comedy Night is next Thursday, February 1st. Join us for that. 20 bucks, we'll get your ticket, and uh, you'll have your, your first drink included as well. So that'll be great. Hope to see you at both of those events. We'll have a lot of fun. Uh, I got an email today from a buddy of mine. Got an email last week from a friend of mine saying that the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities was having an emergency secret meeting today. Turns out that offshore wind is not dead. And the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities is now looking out, handing out more of these whale-killing, dolphin-killing wind turbines. That's right. That's what they want to do. I'm not surprised by any of this. None of this surprises me. But the uh, agenda, Board of Public Utilities, is going to be coming up. Oh, I said today. Excuse me. It's Wednesday. Wednesday the 24th at 10 a.m. And it's going to be a special secret, double secret probation meeting. But, of course, what they're going to try to do is, in the matter of the opening of New Jersey's trust... Third, solicitation for offshore wind renewable energy certificates. The board will consider applications for the third offshore wind solicitation. And I saw this story from NJ Spotlight News. Orsted's decision to back out of New Jersey's offshore wind efforts is just the end of a chapter, not the end of the world. They go on to say in a step aimed at reviving what at times seemed a faltering offshore wind program, the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities is expected to announce awards for new projects off the Jersey coast this week. Four developers submitted bids to build wind farms last August, but that was before Orsted, the world's largest offshore wind operator, walked away from two projects in South Jersey, saying they no longer made economic sense. This decision on new projects by the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities represents a crucial opportunity to get its offshore wind program back on track, a policy that seeks to be perhaps the key element in its drive to move away from fossil fuels and combat climate change. And of course, the idiot, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, wants to have more than 11,000 megawatts of electricity generated from offshore wind farms or roughly 27% of the power for New Jersey homes and businesses. So he ordered the BPU to have another solicitation sometime this year. And that's exactly what's going to happen this week. There's the Atlantic Shores project, which is still moving forward. I'm telling you right now, the only way, the only way this is going to end is if a Republican becomes governor. Because the Democrats will never give up on this stuff. They will never give up on this stuff, ever. 
Orsted's departure left the state with only one viable offshore wind project, the Atlantic Shores Initiative, about 10 miles off the coast of Atlantic City. Atlantic Shores, along with its partners Shell Energies and EDF Renewables, is one of the developers seeking to be awarded a contract on Wednesday by the BPU. Besides Atlantic Shores, the other projects up for consideration include Attentive Energy, a joint venture between Total Energies and Corio Generation at a site about 42 miles east of Seaside Heights. Community Offshore Wind, an initiative off Long Beach Island. And Leading Light Wind, a project by Innovent Energy and Energy RE about 40 miles off the state's southern coast. I remember when Orsted, which was the big Danish company, bailed. It did so because it said the project wasn't viable. Public support has wavered. I mean, you had protests up and down. We did our, our live shows at the Grand Hotel of Cayman, New Jersey. There were protests up and down the Jersey Shore. I mean, nobody wants these damn things. Nobody wants these things. The height of the Washington Monument will destroy the view from the beaches. It's going to tank the tourist economy. And then you have all the dead whales and dolphins. But there's another thing, too, here. Paul Patterson, an energy analyst at Glenrock Associates, said, We've seen cancellations. We've seen some projects go out for rebid. The industry is in a state of flux. It'll be key to see what prices come in at. None of this can happen without the government subsidizing it. That's the reality. That's the bottom line. The rising cost of the projects is also fueling opposition. In New Jersey, the cost of getting offshore wind is going to be subsidized by a surcharge on consumer bills. If something changes in the economics of offshore wind and it fails to include a government subsidy of gargantuan size, then that would be headline news, said Michael Markarski, a spokesman for Affordable Energy for New Jersey. I mean, don't forget, you know, none of this, none of this makes any sense. It doesn't make economic sense. It's not good for the ocean. It's not good for marine life. And it's not good for the ratepayers either. But it is good for, for, for the progressive kooks and their political futures, and that's what Murphy's banking on. See, he's also looking at 2028. <clears throat> he's also looking at 2028, and he wants to be the guy to run for president and tell everybody that he built thousands and thousands of these massive wind turbines off the Jersey Shore. He wants to run to New Hampshire and brag about that. Yeah, I kill whales and dolphins. I'm the guy who did it. I did these things. That's what he wants. He wants to be able to come out and say that. He's a hideous man. He really is. But they're all the same, these lefties. I mean, you heard it all from the World Economic Forum. You, you, you heard, we played you all the clips of the evil Bond villains who were there last week. And all these evil Bond villains who came out and said how they're going to control what you eat, the kind of bugs you have to eat, all of it. And they love this stuff. They love to be able to come out and build their green energy alternatives. I'll tell you, as I think about everything, when it comes to what the left is trying to push, I, I do think it's going to be a big issue in 2024. Because the president of the United States could cancel these things. The president of the United States could use his power. Biden's all in. I mean, Biden's all in on energy. Trump wins. Hopefully these, these projects are finally fully dead. That's my hope. Because there's no way you could ever actually support these if you gave a damn 
if you gave a damn on anybody or cared about anybody. I mean, uh, when it came to whales, dolphins, the people that own homes at the Jersey Shore or the people that pay the rates, taxpayers. If you care about any of these things, you're not going to want these projects, period. You're not going to want these projects. So I think the president of the United States has a good chance, if it's a Republican, which I do believe it's going to be, and if it's Trump, and I do believe it's going to be, to come in and use federal power to end these things. It's not a states' rights issue. These things are miles off the coast. Miles off the coast. And they can't happen, of course, without federal subsidies. So all of these things, all of these things add up to be a disaster. A disaster. But the left is all in. They always are. They're all in, uh, going everywhere they possibly can to try to further bring forward their economic, their environmental revolution. It's really frustrating. Um, speaking of that, uh, the question regarding what's going to happen with your freedom and liberty will be something we talk about with our buddy. Jim Bovard, he's got a brand new book out called Last Rights, The Death of American Liberty. He's going to join me in the next hour. He also has a piece in the New York Post I read over the weekend about how, yes, if you are buying things the government doesn't like, and, you know, if you might be a domestic violent extremist, they're profiling you, they're putting you on a list, they're targeting you. Yeah, they are. They're doing all those things. I could say, for example... You go to Cabela's, or um, you like to fish, or hunt, you're probably on a list. You're probably a potential environmental domestic violent extremist. I kid you not. Not environmental. <laughs> Did I say environmental? Oh, there are environmental whack jobs out there, no doubt. But no, that's, that's not what I meant about this. Now, what I, what I meant about that is, 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 is the government keeps wanting to say over and over and over again that you are a domestic violent extremist. But they have what's called a, they have a supply problem. They have a demand, a big demand. They can't meet it. They can't meet it. And of course, yes, the breaking news today is that Asshat Hutchinson, Asa the Hat, uh, has endorsed Nikki Haley. And he's convinced that endorsing Nikki Haley is the way to go. So he's all in right now on backing Nikki Haley as president of the United States of America. What a wuss, isn't he? What an absolute wuss. I'm telling you, one of the absolute worst. Asa the Hat. What a loser. Absolute loser. I mean, Doug Burgum can see the writing on the wall. But but Asa, Asa the Hat, he knows. He knows. He's going to turn around and he's going to pretend to be the moderate Republican that everybody wants and everybody needs and blah, blah, blah. And it is really pathetic. It's truly pathetic. All right, so listen, we got a big show coming up for you today. We'll talk to Jim Bovard about freedom and liberty and everything that's being attacked by it. I want to tell you about our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. How about a beautiful new S60? I mean, this car is gorgeous. Courtesy car. So it has under 5,000 miles on it. And the best part about it is that these are barely used because they are used as courtesy cars and they're less than $29,000. You could have a gorgeous, beautiful S60 for under $29,000. You kidding me? You want to do this. And I'll tell you, if you want to do an SUV, I was really grateful over the weekend with all the snow and ice and all the other nonsense that I have the XC40. 
It's a great SUV. It handles the roads terrific. And I'm really happy that my wife has the XC90. The third row family car is able to get your family around nice and safe. And Cherry Hill Volvo will do everything possible to get you the absolute best price. And they have to because they're about to do a big renovation to their family dealership. And to make way for all the construction equipment, they have to move out some of this inventory. And this is your opportunity. Your opportunity to get a beautiful S60 courtesy car for less than $29,000 with less than 5,000 miles on it. Come on, what are you waiting for? You know you want to do this? You know you want to do this. So reach out to them today. They are our great friends. They sponsor the entire radio station studios. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios on Route... I mean, we we are here at 2400 Market Street, but they are on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. So please, yes, please reach out to them today and see them. Uh, Cherry Hill Volvo where relationships matter. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 wpht rich zioli well i am so excited about a brand new book that's coming out last rights the death of american liberty from one of my favorite libertarian writers jim bovard he's also the author of lost rights and his latest piece in the new york post we'll talk about that as well hey jim and uh, thanks for joining me in philadelphia i appreciate it Hey, thanks for having me on. So, first of all, uh, your latest piece in the New York Post, which I think is uh, is great. Let's start there. Biden's Big Brother teams are now watching what you buy and hope you pay in cash. Uh, this was a shocking revelation. I mean, you know, they ever since January sixth, but even before, they are they are so intent on trying to say we have a domestic violent extremist problem. The only problem is the supply does not meet the demand that the Biden administration wants. So they're looking at everything now. You know, a Betsy Ross flag, a, a MAGA hat. A, uh, a don't tread on me sticker, and, and and now we're finding out that they're they're tracking us when we buy these things. Yeah, and it, it keeps getting uh, more and more bizarre. Uh, the um, the uh, Treasury Department uh, has a financial um, FinCEN Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which notifies banks to track certain um, uh, purchases which the feds consider might be um, telltale signs of someone becoming a um, extremist, a terrorist, a lone wolf, troublemaker. And one of those signs was uh, buying a Bass Pro uh, Shop hat or anything else at Bass Pro Shop or buying a Bible. Well, first of all, I know why they don't like the Bible, but what do they have against Bass Pro Shop? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, it might be that they're opposed to violating the rights of fish. Um, well it is i think that's probably not it that's probably not it but you know that there was someone who had a had a good joke on this they were saying you know um i think that they're worried about the about the mega types going there to buy bear spray uh, because the bear spray might be used on federal agents if there's another january 6th so uh it's just um the um uh, minor thing is bass pro shops sell firearms a lot of outdoors equipment uh and so that may be one of the triggers and uh there's certainly a, a, a lot of um, a huge trigger 
tied to anyone who buys uh, firearms or um, ammo because that's something which uh, basically gets you classified automatically as a potential active shooter by the feds. Just for buying a gun and ammunition, something that is a completely legal product, something you have a constitutional right to own, just just buying it will get you on a list. Yeah, uh, that's apparently the uh, the facts from what the uh, the um, uh, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, put out some stuff last week on this, and it's just it's it's totally bizarre to see the the level of uh, vilifying that's going on now for average Americans. And it's not just vilifying. It's like, you know, this is being added to your uh, permanent record. If the feds, if, if the feds decide to uh, investigate you at some point in the future, it'll be like, well, in uh, 2021, he bought a, um, you know, uh, bought a Glock in 2022. He bought a 22. Uh, and plus he bought that shotgun in 2018. And it's like, oh, this is a pattern. So, you know, we don't know where they're going, but there, it would be absurd to trust the feds that they will reasonably use this information that they have uh, uh, seized, uh, probably in violation of the Fourth Amendment. I'm not sure, but uh, there was just uh, – it's, it's, it's bizarre that the feds think so many Americans are guilty – and need to be investigated. At the same time, the government is hiding almost all of its own crimes from us. Yeah, well, well said. Which is a great tie-in here to your latest book, Last Rights: The Death of American Liberty. Uh, and you really, I mean, you outline it so well. All the various different machinations the federal government uses to um, weaponize the government against us. Let, like, for example, one thing jumped out at me right away was you, you speaking to the FBI. You, you say the Federal Bureau of Idiots. I mean, the FBI has been notorious over the last several years. It's just coming to light now. But we know. I mean, it, it goes back to when Martin Luther King was there you know they it was funny when on martin luther king day they they put out a tweet about him and everybody reminded the fbi hey didn't you spy on this guy once so we know that it's been going on for decades and generations but what's been really coming to light lately is the presence of these fbi confidential informants who we know were at the Capitol on January 6th, the high holy day of the left. We know they were involved in this plot against the uh, the, the, the potential kidnapping of the Michigan governor. Um, it, it just doesn't seem to stop, and and you really detail it very well for us. Well, thanks very much. Uh, I was, it's, I, I've written about the FBI off and on for 30 years uh, when I wrote about the uh, Ruby Ridge, the FBI sniper killing the mother holding her baby in the doorway oh. and uh, and, and Idaho, the, the chief of the FBI publicly denounced me for slandering the agency. However, I later got a confidential Justice Department report that proved basically everything I said they had done was what they had done. But the FBI was so uh, so accustomed to being able to lie its way through and to cover up its crimes that way. And it's still doing that. And we have no idea how far FBI abuses have extended. Now, when we think about this and the fact that we're about to give the FBI a beautiful new headquarters, and I, I really don't know why. You know, I mean, oh. this, is, this is this has got you, Jim. Go ahead. All right, Jim Bovard, go ahead. 
Oh, no, no. Uh, no, I was just sitting here groaning as you were talking about the beautiful new headquarters. So I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I wish people would learn. But unfortunately, I think a lot of Republicans fall into this trap. Um, I, I hope Trump realizes at some point. You know, oh, my God. Yes. Uh, there was there was a Trump. Uh, didn't uh, Trump send out a tweet uh, talking about building them that beautiful new headquarters yeah. in downtown D.C.? Yeah, it's like... Um, I'm. I, it makes me wonder how much attention Mr. Trump paid to how his presidency got undermined by his very own FBI and Department of Justice. I mean, these, oh my goodness, these yeah. swamp creatures. You know, they're 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 so embedded these bureaucrats into these various places. And you know, Jim, I, I remember when I was in, in in political science class learning the definition of a police state. And the definition of a police state, as I understand it, is when the government uses its law enforcement powers for political uh, opportunism and uses it to either go after the 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 politicians they don't like or help the ones they do, uh, intimidate the people, spy on the people, you, you know, silence. The people. I mean, all these things are happening in the United States of America right now, but we still have a lot of Republicans, unfortunately, who still like being the party of, quote, law and order. And so in doing so, they're afraid to challenge these things. They're, they're afraid to stand up against the expansion of FISA. They're, they're afraid to stand up against the expansion of whatever the, you know, latest version of the Patriot Act is. And, and, and each and every time they give them more power under the guise of, quote, unquote, keeping us safe, they wind up weaponizing that power and using it against us. Yeah, and it's amazing to see that people uh, in Washington have such a low, a, a, a slow learning curve, certainly among a lot of conservatives uh, in this part of the country, because they just, it's, um, it's almost like they've been vaccinated against being able to recognize the clear evidence of government uh, abuses. And by, you know, for the FBI, it goes back, it was in 1945 that President Truman wrote in his diary he was concerned that the FBI was becoming a Gestapo, and that's something that America didn't need, he said. But uh, President Truman failed to stop that. Uh, every president since then failed to stop that. And thanks to that, uh, uh, it's fascinating to see how obvious it was that the FBI trying to subvert the Trump presidency with the search warrants, with this, with that. Uh, and it was so brazen. And you had you had some of those uh, messages coming out where you had top FBI officials very blatantly biased against Republicans, conservatives, talking about Trump voters as a bunch of mentally handicapped. Uh, and yet, you know, yet the FBI is still on a pedestal. It's like uh, in, uh, I shake my head ruefully. Yeah, I think we all do. And, and you know, it, it goes even beyond just simply the FBI. I mean, we also get into the various three-letter, four-letter agencies that are supposed to be keeping us safe overseas, and we know that they're involved domestically, which brings us to the Ministry of Truth that you write about. I mean, you know, during COVID, we had uh, all these – anyone who tried to talk about the China virus lab leak was immediately silenced by social media. The CIA played a role in this. We know Fauci, obviously – I mean, his entire bureaucratic operation was involved in, in covering this up. And and then we know, and we've been following the case Missouri v. Biden, that the Biden administration was was telling big tech, you know, you, you, you better you better silence these people. But even before Biden got there, I mean, under Trump, they were more than happy to, to do these things and, and silence Americans. And so what what have we learned since covid about this kind of unholy triad between the government, big tech and, and the corporate media? Well, there was a great federal court decision on uh, July 4th. Uh, um, Judge Terry Dowdy said that the, uh, that the um, violations of the First Amendment, freedom of speech, may have been worse than ever before. 
thanks to what the Biden team was doing, the pressure of social media to suppress uh, Americans who even made jokes about COVID policies. I mean, it was bizarre that the FBI became the national joke police. And you had all this browbeating, and most of the time, the social media companies just rolled over. I mean, Facebook was just, uh, Facebook was a complete disgrace, but that's not breaking news. Uh, Twitter was not quite as bad. Twitter's become a whole lot better under Elon Musk. Hopefully yes. it stays that way. Uh, but uh, it, it's but to to sit and read some of the messages of what the, the feds demanded uh, be censored. And it's also fascinating to see how so much of the liberal media has come out and said, well, there was no censorship. There was only content moderation. And this is like, OK, uh, if you want people to be that stupid and gullible, how the heck are you going to ever defend any individual freedom? Yeah, I know. It's exactly right, Jim Bovard. And that's the problem. And this is why I'm glad your book came out. Last Rights, The Death of American Liberty. You have a chapter about farmers. You know, I, I see all these these farmers in Europe now who really seem to be rebelling against the uh, the demands of the state. And as I was listening to the, the WEF last week, the World Economic Forum, you know, how they're going to moderate what we eat and, you know, get us all in a nice, tasty diet of bugs. Uh, I keep thinking about what our farmers have to go through and, and this assault on them as various uh, wacko climate speaker after another would go on about how agriculture is destroying the planet. One of the biggest reasons why we have methane, one of the biggest reasons why we have a higher uh, temperature, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've written about farm subsidies for decades. I'm totally opposed to the subsidies, but I was raised in an agriculture area. I, I worked uh, summers on farms, and I have a lot of respect for hardworking farmers uh, who aren't on the government dole. But to see a lot of these leftists, a lot of these environmental activists, they basically want to cripple or destroy farmers across the board. I mean, to see what happened in Sri Lanka, where, uh, if memory serves, they, they uh, tried to ban chemical fertilizers or chemical stuff on crops, whatever, and the nation almost starved. You've got insane crackdowns in Holland and a lot of other places on farmers. And it's just, it's sad to see that the, um, that the uh, environmental activists uh, act like the uh, people don't need to eat. But, but some of these people are pretty explicit that they want, uh, that uh, they're in favor of the world having a much lower population. And if you have a war on farmers, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you, you know, you go through, I mean, you know, schools, COVID, the surveillance state that we have, the uh, the modern day Gestapo, as you call it, the American Gestapo runs amok. You, you, you go on through all this thing. I guess as you're writing this book, uh, James Bovard, when, when, when you put together here this very extensive The Death of American Liberty, was there anything that shocked even you? There was a lot of stuff which shocked me, and it's and and it's sad because I don't like to be uh, be shocked because it makes me feel like I'd been naive. Uh, there were so many different policies. Looking at some of the COVID stuff, I mean, um, I, it was shocking to see how the Biden White House browbeat the F Food and Drug Administration to give uh, full approval to the uh, Pfizer COVID vaccines, even though there was a lot of evidence of myocarditis and other problems. It was a total whitewash, and Biden used that to go out there and give a speech where he ordered 100 million Americans to go get vaccinated, even though the feds knew at that point the vaccines failed to, pre to prevent infection or transmission. So it's one of the most brazen abuses of government power. 
I was glad the Supreme Court struck down most of that mandate, uh, but um, it's just um, I don't understand why anybody would blindly trust the federal government or politicians, because as a class, they are just odious. They are odious, and and they have no no fear of any reprisal whatsoever. And and this is the biggest part of this that, that I, as I'm reading your book, is I'm really you know my my mind is blown over and over again by the fact that whether it's Fauci or the people of the FBI or whether it's the people who d- decide that moms at school board meetings are terrorists at the Department of Justice or or, or, or various on and on, th- these bureaucrats are not afraid of anyone calling them out and then getting in trouble. I mean, we had people that literally got involved in the 2020 presidential campaign to tell all of us that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And of course, last week, with the Department of Justice finally acknowledged what we've all known, Jim, which is, of course, it was actually real and Hunter's laptop they finally admitted that in a court filing but the way that they're just so brazen about this that they think that they can just get away with it because let's face it they do get away with it i mean that's the thing when was the last time anyone got in trouble for abusing the the power of government against the american people and i'm, I'm glad the house has the, the the select subcommittee on the weaponization of government i think it's incredibly important but can we ever hold these people accountable uh, that's a great question. Um, I'm not optimistic. I mean, most of them, uh, well, part of the problem is the federal government is committing more crimes than we will ever know. There is so much secrecy at this point, and most of the abuses uh, we never hear about, and every now and then something comes out and people are shocked, and then and then the, the attention shifts back to the NFL playoffs or whatever. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm... I'm I don't see how freedom and our constitutional rights can be preserved if we don't hold them accountable. But uh, I don't, you know, I'm not optimistic that they'll be able to, uh, I'm not optimistic we'll be able to put a leash back on the government. Yeah, but I think what we have to do is we have to know what's happening. We have to know what's going on because to your point, listen, everybody gets distracted all the time by nonsense. You know, how many times Taylor Swift clapped last night? And yeah, I mean, we get distracted by nonsense on purpose. And and I know that that's a big part of it is to keep us all uh, feeling good with, you know, cooking shows during daytime television and things like that. But I I try to bring this stuff to light on my program as much as possible. You write about it as much as possible because all we can do is hope that if we bring enough attention to this, then maybe the next time if Trump wins, because I do think he's going to be the nominee, and, I, and I, I do think he's got a very good chance of winning. Hopefully then between that and what the Heritage Foundation is looking to do with their with their 2025 transition project to rein in the executive branch, hopefully we can see the Supreme Court overturn Chevron, the Chevron deference doctrine, which empowers all these bureaucrats. I mean, hopefully there's enough of a wake-up call here. And look, you know, maybe between your book and what we're, we're learning about the fact that, you know, January 6th, I mean, even if you just flew into the Capitol region, whether or not you even went into the District of Columbia, whether or not you went into the Capitol building, if you just flew into the region, the TSA's tracking you, air marshals have you on a list. And and speaking of the TSA, by the way, I mean, can we find a more incompetent, useless bureaucracy? Yeah, um, but, you know, the thing about them is that they provide comic relief. <laughs> I mean, they are they are so stupid, and they've done so many boneheaded things, and they have they have all these profiles 
I mean, um, I think I'm. I, I think I probably triggered at least uh, eight or nine different profiles that they have. Aside from the stuff that I've written, aside from being attacked by the TSA chief in print, uh, I mean, it's and it never gets any better. And you have all these different um, different programs that people can try to buy out. You know, with pre-check or clear, to, you know, to pay money to the government to get some of their, their their rights and freedoms back, but that's not working out very well either. But it's level after level of absurdity, and it's a it's a fascinating lesson in um, civics right now is to stand and stand in one of those TSA lines, not one of the pre-check ones, and to shoot the bull with folks and find out what they think. And there's a lot of folks who think about TSA like you or I would. It's kind of like, why in God's name do we have to go through all this nonsense? But there's others that are just that are are grateful to be molested. <laughs> well, look, I mean, everybody likes a good, you know, cop of feel every now and then, uh, Jim Bovard. Come on. <laughs> not from federal agents. Not from federal agents. I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean there, was a, there was a story which I don't think I included in the book, but it was when I was coming back from thank, uh, Portland, Oregon, Thanksgiving 2015, you know, TSA agent tried to turn my family jewels into a pancake, you know. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I highly recommend this book. I, I think you've, you've done an outstanding job here. And if you care about liberty, if you care about the Constitution, if you care about trying to reign in our government, the first thing we have to do is we got to learn about everything they're doing, and we need to be able to forcefully speak out against it. And before I let you go, I even, you even mentioned NASA in here. NASA, what, is, what, is, what does NASA have to do with anything? Oh, God. Uh, I'm trying to think. What did I say about NASA? Was I for it or against it? Uh, I, uh, pro- probably how uh, we're expanding their powers, too. I mean, it's like, it's like every agency basically is, is, is mentioned here in one way, shape, or form, uh, from the NSA to, to, to NASA to, to every single oh, yeah. else, you know. Yeah, there, was, uh, there were probably some surveillance projects that NASA got pulled in on. That's it. I mean, uh, there's a huge amount of stuff on NSA in the book. And we haven't even talked were- about taxes and how taxes are tyranny. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, it's nasty business. Well, get the book today. It's available everywhere books are sold. You can order on Amazon.com. Last Rites, The Death of American Liberty. James Bovard, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for your kind words. And we'll be right back as we continue along here on a Monday. I want to remind you, though, of course, the big story of the day today is still New Hampshire. The primary is tomorrow. That is brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Make sure that you go see him for your perfect smile. When we get back, more analysis on the state of the race. What does it mean that Tim Scott has endorsed Trump, but Asa the Hat has endorsed Nikki Haley? Is Asa the Hat going for VP? We'll talk about it. 855-839-1210. Don't go away. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. That's right, we won't back down. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today. As we preview New Hampshire, the big primary tomorrow, New Hampshire, and um, a number of other things, too. But, you know, I'm thinking about this Supreme Court decision that just came out uh, a short time ago, 5-4 decision, saying Texas has to take down its barbed wire. And I think Senator Mike Lee put it very, very well when he said, at 2, ACB, what a what a what a uh, a, a traitor that uh, traitor move by Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, this is ridiculous. What is the state of Texas supposed to do here? I mean, on, on, honestly, the United States of America is allowing an invasion at the southern border. This is a deliberate, deliberate invasion. The left is allowing. This is what they want. They want an open border. They want they want America to be invaded. And you talk about an insurrection. I mean, Joe Biden's letting an insurrection happen every single day at this border. And in a 5-4 decision, they say Texas has to take down its razor wire. The United States government has said to the state of Texas, we don't we we don't care, by the way. We don't we don't give a damn that you feel like you have a responsibility to protect your state. We don't care if the Biden administration wants an open border. We're going to have an open border. The invasion will continue. The the fact that the federal government sued the state of Texas in the first place, the fact that the the state of Texas sued the the federal government sued the state of Texas in 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 the first place, right there tells you everything you need to know about what Biden's plan is, which is to allow America to continue to be invaded. No question about it.
But for the Supreme Court to go along with this and to say that the state of Texas has no ability to do anything to protect its own sovereignty here. And this is the kind of thing that really, honestly, should make every single American, whether or not you are a Republican or Democrat, this should make you turn around and say, without question, the Democrats are open borders. The Democrats are open borders. I mean, they could have left Texas alone. You know, they, they could have they could have just ignored this. Texas is putting a razor wire. They could have just ignored it and just allowed it to happen. Instead, they fought this. Texas isn't shooting people trying to cross the border illegally. They put up razor wire. States have razor wire on all kinds of different facilities. They use them to keep prisoners in prison. Is the, I mean, Green Jean-Pierre will come around and say, it's inhumane. It, it's inhumane to have razor wire. Well, how come it's, it's not inhumane to have razor wire at prisons? Makes it easier for people to escape. Then she'll turn around and she'll say, it uh, endangers the lives of Border Patrol agents. Well, how? Well, then, well, then if that's the same argument, then wouldn't it endanger the lives of corrections officials? I mean, if you're a corrections officer working at a, at a county or a state penitentiary, there's razor wire all over the place. Isn't your life threatened? Because what if a prisoner tries to escape and gets stuck in the razor wire? Now you've got to go deal with it. Isn't your life at risk? Because that's the argument that the government's using. So then wherever there's razor wire, what about outside of military installations? What, what about the, the federal government's own razor wire outside military installations? How come that's okay? What if, somebody, what if a terrorist tried to break into a military facility? You have people breaking into the, to the country. So what if a terrorist tried to break into a military facility and then the barbed wire gets snagged in the barbed wire? Now the military police, they, they're, they're risking their lives to have to deal with somebody who got tangled in the barbed wire. I mean, we could do this all freaking day, but that's the point. The only reason you'd be opposed to this is if you are concerned that it's going to be a deterrent. Because it is. Because not a lot of people want to go through razor wire. Because it hurts. But that's why we use it as a deterrent. That's why we use it around electri- electrical facilities. I mean, drive past a, uh, a, a, a many times when you see those, those either little substations or the big giant electrical plants. Razor wire all over those freaking things. So what happens if somebody decides they want to play with electricity? Now they got razor wire, so now they're stuck in that, which means that whatever the local police department is that has to deal with that, or whatever the state agency is that has to deal with that, now their lives are at risk. Because this is literally what the administration's argument was. We're putting Border Patrol agents' lives at risk by having razor wire along the southern border. And the only conclusion you can make from that stupidity is that what they mean is that if somebody gets tangled up in it, then the, then the Border Patrol agents have to deal with it. Okay, true, but that's no different than if a prisoner gets tangled up with it or somebody breaking into a a power plant or a government facility of any kind because they're all over the place. They're outside of municipal drinking plants. They're outside of municipal sewer plants. Just drive around in your your daily life and think of how many times you see razor barbed wire outside various facilities. And certainly you see them outside of corrections facilities. There isn't – I can't think of one that doesn't have them. Maybe 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 the Cush Federal Golf Club type ones. Maybe they don't have them. Maybe possibly I don't know. They have them at airports. They're all over airports. Drive around uh, PHL. Look around at all the uh, barbed razor wire all over the place. So obviously it's it's a useful deterrent. Otherwise, why, why would we use it? Why would we put it up at all these places? How much? How many? How many uh, millions of miles of razor wire is probably throughout the United States of America? And you add it all up. And outside of all the facilities, airports, prisons, every other thing you can think of. How, how, how many millions of miles? Or okay, maybe hundreds of thousands of miles. Whatever. The point is, a lot of it. 
And it obviously works because we keep installing it. So Texas said, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to install this at our border to try to keep illegal immigrants from crossing into the southern border. And the federal government said, nope, it's too good of a deterrent. You got to take it down. They didn't say take it down because we're going to put in something better. They didn't say take it down because it interferes with the construction of the border wall. They didn't say take it down because we got an even better idea. We're going to put bug zappers. It'll zap people as they cross the border. No, they said take it down because we don't want you to deter people from crossing the border illegally. And in a 5-4 decision, the United States Supreme Court concurred. So then I guess I guess the question then for these justices, including, of course, the Chief Justice John Roberts, is what is the state supposed to do then? Nothing? They have to bear the burden of this, and then when they try to ship people out of their state, they get, they get, they get in trouble for doing that. They're not allowed to arrest anybody. The administration is not letting the, the Texas Rangers arrest anybody who crosses the border legally, so they can't do that. Can't use barbed wire. Can't put any deterrence in the river. Can't do anything. All they can do is just welcome people with open arms and then keep them there. Because if they try to make them leave, well, then the federal government's going to try and stop them from doing that. Because that's the other thing the government's doing, is to try to stop Texas from making, from putting illegal immigrants on buses and trains and getting them out of their state and sending them to places like Chicago and New York and other places like that. But what does Texas do? What does Texas do, is my question. What does any state do? Ignore it. I mean, you could ignore it because, look, look, I mean, the Biden administration is ignoring the Supreme Court. A couple of you have made this point on Twitter to me today. Biden administration is ignoring the Supreme Court, still paying down student loans. So what I mean, what happens if Texas says, well, we're just going to keep it up? We're, we're just going to keep it up. I mean, obviously what's going to happen is the, the federal agents will be sent in to remove it. Texas is not going to do it. So the, the Biden administration is going to go in there and remove it. That's that, And we can watch that live. We can watch the Biden administration taking down razor wire, which is intended to be a deterrent from people crossing the border illegally. And and the argument that it that it, it it's inhumane or it might hurt people, these are people doing something they're not supposed to do. Much like a prisoner who escapes from a prison is not supposed to do that. Or somebody who breaks into an electrical plant or breaks into a military compound or tries to sneak into a runway. You're not supposed to do those things. So, yeah, that's why we put razor wire up as a deterrent so that people won't do bad things because it hurts. Because it hurts their skin to go through razor wire. So now that we have acknowledged that we're, we don't want any, any deterrent whatsoever on the southern border, and people can see that when the government comes in to take it down and, and remove the property of the state of Texas and take it down and then cut, cut it down in front of everybody to see. So good. Let it play out on television. Let everybody let everybody see what the Biden administration thinks, because Corrine Jean-Pierre will say it's inhumane if somebody gets gets caught in razor wire. I think we should have a national movement to remove all razor wire everywhere in the country. I'm starting no razor dot com. It's a national effort. I, I don't know if that website's even available, but if it is, I'm buying it. No razor dot org dot net. And I'm buying it and I'm going to own it. And Henry, you can design it for me. And we will look for razor wire in America everywhere. And we will advocate for it to be removed on the grounds that it is inhumane and puts law enforcement at risk. Got it? Yeah. And well, lucky for you, uh, neither of those uh, U- URLs are taken. So they're up for grabs. So I could get no razorwire.org or no razorwire.com. 
I, I put in .net. I didn't see .com. Yeah. Let's see here. You can get that, too. Get that, too. I can get all of them. Mm-hmm. All three. Mm-hmm. I may think, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think, if somebody's going to steal my idea. But we'll do a national campaign to argue that, that razor wire fencing is cruel and inhumane and jeopardizes the safety of law enforcement. So wherever it's located, and I'll have people submit their razor wire alerts. So if you see razor wire in your day-to-day travels, let us know. And you could just send it, you could, you could, they're starting to do this right now, as a matter of fact, too. They're starting to take it down. You could, and I'm watching the images of this, and it's amazing to me, right? You see the razor wire there. Clearly, if I'm thinking of coming into the country illegally, I'm not going to go through that razor wire because there's a lot of it. I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to go and do this someplace else. I'm going to try to cross someplace else. So now, if the thinking is that it's mean, it's not nice to people to put up razor wire to prevent them from doing something they're not supposed to do. I want it down everywhere. Make it easy for people to enter secure facilities. Make it easy for prisoners to escape. Look, prisoners have a lot to do. And, 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 and getting out of prison is not easy. You got you to gotta, you gotta get a, a thing. You, you got to slowly carve away pieces of your jail cell. Well, right? it's, easy, it's easy in Chester County. Well, that's you're right. In Chester County, you just leave. Yeah. You know, you just basically walk out. But like in Shawshank, he had to carve that whole thing out. And then he had to kick all the dust out on the yard. You remember? Mm-hmm. Not easy. And then you got to deal with barbed wire, razor wire. So I'm. I, I mean, that just seems to me to be uh, mean. On top of everything else, what a mess! What an absolute mess! Honestly. Supreme Court, for now, lets Border Patrol agents remove Texas razor wire fencing. For now. Why not say for now they can't? I mean, if the court really wants to take some time to think about this or maybe have an actual hearing, why don't they say that for the time being uh, the government can? It's Texas's property. I, they're, they're, I think right outside even the Delaware River Bridge crossings, there might be r- razor wire at certain points. What about, what about those stupid things that come down if you don't pay your toll? You know, those things could be dangerous. It hit your car. It hit your head. And if you got a convertible, just saying. So why don't we take those things down too? I mean, anything that would impede anybody from doing anything illegal, we should just not stand in the way of them doing it. That's basically my point. No more razorwire.com. Tear down this razor wire. That's going to be my, my official speech everywhere I go throughout the country. Tear down this razor wire. And we can have all kinds of wonderful little press conferences outside of places. Unbelievable. I mean, really, it's just truly unbelievable. And for, and for Amy Coney Barrett to join in and, uh, and say to, her, to, to everybody that, yeah, this is okay for the United States of America to do. You just reminded me. Johnny Cook says, just do our social media check-in here. Rich, you just reminded me of something. Remember a couple of years ago when the panic du jour was terrorists shooting up our power plants? That lasted about as long as monkeypox. Yeah, but they. But then what, what do they do? They erected razor wire all over those places. Paul DiBartolo says, put this lawn sign up on my property. Hashtag razor wire has no home here. I agree. No home here. I may put it around my home, but it has no home here. Since uh, Mike, Mike says, Rich, since the justices think it's okay to come illegally, drop the immigrants in front of their houses. 
Yeah, bring them to their neighborhood. They all live in that posh neighborhood right outside of... Um, well, we know where they live because we're after the abortion decision, all the protesters were there. All the protesters came and they were protesting outside their homes, which is uncut, which is illegal under U.S. code. Uh, Jill says, how about razor wire at junkyards? Uh, Jill, tear that razor wire down. Should have no right to be there because if I want to go into a junkyard and fight a junkyard dog, whatever I'm going to do at a junkyard, I want to, I should be able to do it. This is just such a joke. Yeah, 46, if if the president ignores the SCOTUS about student loans, Texas should ignore SCOTUS. I I agree with you, they should, but the problem is it's not, Texas is going to say go F yourself, but what the court is saying here is that the United States government can go in and remove it. So that's what's going to happen. And we're not going to have a shoot-off between Border Patrol and the Texas State Police. It's not like, we're not going to have a standoff here. Because if that happens, then... You know, nothing good comes from that. So, yeah, they'll take it down. Matt has COVID. Sharon wants to know where Matt is. Matt, Matt DeSanctacovitis has COVID. That's where he is today. He's home probably with a blankie and some chicken noodle soup. Yeah, hot cocoa. Yeah, hot cocoa, snuggling. That's where he is today. All COVIDed out. It's freaking 2024. covid I'd rather I'd rather him not come in if he had a cold at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. Which I guess it kind of is, but... I don't even know if it's that bad at this point. No, I think actually a cold would be worse. Maybe he has something worse he's just not telling us. Hmm. Maybe he has monkeypox. <laughs> well, they accused Trump of having a clap. Remember he had those red things on his yeah, hands I and they said that. it was a clap? Yeah. yeah. Maybe DeSantis has a clap. <laughs> Who knows? Shaking hands with Trump recently? Yeah, possibly, right? We'll just we'll just speculate now. And yet, you know, you asked a great question earlier today, Henry, which is where do you even get a COVID test this time of, time of year? Yeah, he said he had like them stockpiled. Like, Why? As if it was the end of the world. First of all, if you want a COVID test, the government will just send them to your house. That, but why even bother? Like at this point, if you if you test positive, all it means is your life's just going to be more complicated. Oh, man. Well, that's where he off. is. And we all we have thoughts and prayers for his safety. We all hope he makes it back okay. <laughs> he said he uh, he's taking Tylenol. I hope it's children's Tylenol, DeSantis. Yeah, get a baby aspirin and cut it in half. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's got the grape-flavored Tylenol that I give my kids, yeah. Henry. It's very possible. All right, listen, Dr. Mike Venari is going to give you a great smile. He is the man. He is the master of dental implants, and he is my friend and my dentist. And this is a time to think about doing something for yourself that's going to make you very, very happy. And that's why I'd love for you to make an appointment to see Dr. Mike for the smile of your dreams. You deserve a great smile, and a great smile says something to the world. It shows everybody how you feel, and everybody sees your smile. It lights up a room. So if you need complicated dental work, dental implants, for example, go see Dr. Mike Venaria. He's the master of dental implants. And he has two offices conveniently located to serve you. Cinnamonson and Woodbury right over the bridge. Easy to get to from wherever you are. And it's worth going there. Don't go to the closest dentist. Go to the best dentist. That's Dr. Mike Venaria. You'll love his whole team. The staff is great. They're wonderful people. Great music playing. And they put your care first. So if you've had an estimate for complicated dental work, get a second opinion with Dr. Mike Venaria. Do it today. V-A-N-A-R-I-A VenariaDental.com. Don't wait. That perfect smile awaits you. Cosmetic dentistry, uh, pediatric 
general. All of it is there for you. And that's why my entire family goes to Dr. Mike, because we trust him for all these years. And you should trust him, too. VenariaDental.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. There is a um, breaking story that Israel has offered a ceasefire deal to Hamas. Uh, Townhall.com reporting this. The legions of anti-Semites and anti-Israel buffoons can rejoice. They got what they've been clamoring for for weeks. The campaign of harassment against Jewish bystanders and businesses, the efforts to shut down airports, and the attempts to block traffic to save the bloodthirsty dogs who call themselves Hamas have been successful. Israel has proposed a ceasefire for two months. The Jewish state has pitched the deal in return for the release of all the remaining hostages. Hamas is being offered a short breather before Israel finishes them all. And that has just come out. Israel has given Hamas a proposal through Qatari and Egyptian mediators that includes up to two months of a pause in the fighting as part of a multi-phase deal that would include the release of all remaining hostages held in Gaza. While the proposal doesn't include an agreement to end the war, it is the longest period of ceasefire that Israel has offered Hamas since the start of the war. More than 130 hostages are still being held in Gaza. Israeli officials say several dozen hostages either died on October 7th or in the weeks since then. President Biden's advisor, Brett McGurk, traveled to Egypt on Sunday and will continue to Qatar afterward, or Qatar, I think you say how you say it, afterward for talks aimed at making progress in the negotiations to secure the release of hostages held by Hamas. Qatari and Egyptian mediators have been trying for weeks to bridge the gap between the parties in order to make progress toward a deal. U.S. officials told Axios that reaching such an agreement might be the only path that could lead to a ceasefire in Gaza. Now do Ukraine. You're not going to be able to do that in Ukraine. Because in Ukraine, just last week, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, says he doesn't doesn't see. He doesn't see any possibility of a ceasefire happening in Ukraine anytime soon. And, of course, since uh, we don't have the receipts as they say, with regards to Joe Biden in Ukraine, uh, Israel, uh, he'll continue to boss them around and tell them what to do. He'll tell them what to do. So, well, don't hold your breath for that. Uh, on the illegal immigration issue, I wanted to play a, cl- a cut for you of John Fetterperson. He was on with Jake Tapper over the weekend. And he says the American dream is being threatened. Now, look, whether or not Fetter person is doing all this because he's had some sort of a wake up, whether he's doing this because it's actually his body double who's now taken over, much like in the movie Dave, which is my theory, which is that John Fetter person had a body double and that the body double now thinks, well, I'm just going to I'm going to be the senator I want. Just like how in the movie Dave, Kevin Klein's character ultimately became the, the, the president because he had the approval of the first lady, and so he wound up changing the policy direction of the administration. So that's possible. Or maybe John Fetterperson just thinks that this is a way he's going to try to be a moderate and then uh, stab Trump in the back as he runs in Pennsylvania. Who knows? But I do know, though, that he's not wrong in what he says about the southern border and why we need to secure it. He's not wrong on this point. Cut number 11. Why do you think you've been so criticized by so many progressives? I honestly don't understand. I I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race that I'm very much a a, a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my my wife's family, that's the uh, Oregon story about that. 
Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really, I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border to do that. And I think we need to, to re, do a reset and we have to work together uh, and develop uh, a new comprehensive solution to that. And that would also unlock a lot of the critical aid for Ukraine. Again, we cannot forget about Ukraine. That's that's critical uh, for Israel and Taiwan. That's a very important kind of standard that we have to maintain that we're going to support and stand with our allies at that are very critical juncture. First of all, can, can you explain why why does Ukraine have to even be mentioned here in the part of securing the border? This is what I, this is what I understand, and this is why I, I, I'm I'm very leery of this fetter person transformation. Even though he does sound a lot like a lot of Republicans, he really does because you have a lot of Republicans saying this. But why why does what does Ukraine funding have to do with the border? I mean, the border is wide open. Is an invasion going on? And you're right. You don't need 300,000 legal immigrants coming every year to the country. You don't need the size of Pittsburgh coming into America every single year. I agree. But what does that have to do with Ukraine funding? How about you just turn around and say, we need to secure the, the border, period. And then we can talk about comprehensive immigration reform and blah, 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 and all these other things. But what actually what Fetterman is doing here is what the classic Washington game is. Oh, you want a secure border? Well, in order to do that, you got to make all these people uh, citizens and you got to give Ukraine money. It's this it's the same nonsense. It's the same exact nonsense. Why can't we secure our own border and then worry about Ukraine's border? Why can't we worry about dealing with the invasion that's happening in our country and then worry about the invasion in Ukraine? Why are they why are they connected? I, t- I, t- I already told you the reason why, though. They're connected because, unfortunately, there are so many Republicans out there that want to fund this Ukraine war. They want to keep funding it forever. And this, they think, is their cover. They think it's, it's their cover to be able to turn around and say, oh, look, you know, I didn't want to, but I got I got I got border. I got immigration reform. Immigration reform is not what we need. We need border security right now. Deal with that first. Deal with that first. And then then deal with the with, with with reforming the system. Deal with the border as a national security issue first. Then you can have the conversation about the system itself. All right. We got a lot to chat about. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is uh, asked about the potential to be Trump's vice presidential pick. Tim Scott's asked the same thing as he endorses Donald Trump. Tomorrow is New Hampshire. Just how much will Trump win by? Did DeSantis make the right call? You know he did because I told you last week it's what he had to do. And I said it every single day. 30 minutes of nonstop talk straight ahead for you. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli is Nikki Haley playing the race card and the woman card, the woman race card, as the battle for New Hampshire heats up? Only it's not really much of a battle because Trump is going to win. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. But let's pretend like there's a lot of drama here, shall we? That's certainly what all the cable networks are doing. Pretending like there's a lot of drama and intrigue. No, Trump's going to win. 
Uh, and DeSantis made a very, very smart decision to get out of the race. Very smart. Like I told you last week, every single day on the show, I said it every day. DeSantis has to get out and save his political future. Democrats, by the way, are panicking about his return to Florida. They really are. They're panicking about his return to Florida. He's a great governor. He's going to do a great job as governor. And I think, you know, there's no doubt in my mind this was the only play he had because he was going to get destroyed in tomorrow's primary. Uh, and this is bad news for Nikki Haley. It's bad for Nikki because now the DeSantis voters will go to Trump or they just won't vote. But they're not going to Haley. They're not going to Haley. And it's an interesting thing about that. But. Either they will come out for Trump, and I think the, the majority of them will. I'd say like 90% of DeSantis' voters will come out for Trump. I think maybe 5% might go to Haley, and maybe 5% might just stay home, sit out of it. But that's not good for Haley. It, because the bulk of his support, and there, unfortunately it was not a lot. So we're not talking about massive numbers here. I think he was polling at 6 7%. But still, you know, every little bit helps, and you don't know what turnout's going to be like. But no doubt about it, Trump will win tomorrow. And the thing about it is that, and, and this is where Nikki Haley is just ticking off a lot of Republicans. You know, it's one thing to go out there and say, I'll be, a, I'll be a better candidate. You know, I'll be the better candidate. I'll do a better job. My ideas are better. It's another thing to start taking the Democrat playbook and to start throwing it at the guy who's most likely going to wind up being the Republican nominee. Because that's what Haley's doing. You know, she's so desperate here to to win that she's saying the kind of things that the Democrats are saying about Trump and the kind of things you're going to say about him in the fall. And you don't you should not do that because that's not being a good team player here. It really isn't. And what I'm talking about is is that she's bringing up Trump's mental stability. Now, you know, as well as I do, that Joe Biden has lost it. Joe Biden is completely out of it. He's he's the uh, you know, he's it's visiting your uncle in the old in the old person's home and, and wondering which jello option he's going to pick out every night. He doesn't talk about anything. He, he winds up stumbling over the nonsensical things that he does say whenever he breaks from the teleprompter. They have to cut him off like a like a, a guy receiving an Academy Award. They got to play the orchestra music and make him stop talking. I mean, it's bad. But to, to then come out and say Trump's mental stability is declining. I mean, Nikki, that's exactly what the Democrats want people to say. That's exactly the playbook. They want people to say Trump's Trump's lost it, too. So those two issues cancel each other out. But Trump hasn't. He's a very different age. I mean, he's, his age is not that far off, but his mental acuity is night and day from Biden's. And everybody knows that. And so to turn around and say that his mental stability is declining. And that's what she said to Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation. Now, she does the classic neocon Republican thing of trying to say what she thinks the corporate media wants to hear, what she thinks the left wants to hear. And she's she's vying for Democrat votes in New Hampshire. But this is the kind of stuff that is you're you're not going to win any friends. Trump's going to be the nominee and you and Chris Christie are going to be off in the wild because you're saying stuff like this. It's one thing to run and contrast the guy based on what you would do as president. It's another thing to kind of take these cheap shots. Cut number four. But, Margaret, you don't be surprised if you have someone that's. It's unclear what he's talking about as being deleted. But you said yesterday hearing this made you question Donald Trump's mental fitness. Is that the first time you questioned his mental fitness? If you look recently, there have been multiple things. I mean, he claimed that Joe Biden was going to get us into World War II. 
I'm assuming he meant World War III. He said that he ran against President Obama. He never ran against President Obama. He says that I'm the one that kept security from, Jan- from the Capitol on January 6th. I was nowhere near the Capitol on January 6th. But, Margaret, you don't be surprised if you have someone that's 80 in office. Their mental stability is going to continue to decline. That's just human nature. We know that. What I'm saying is, first of all, you're talking about somebody who's only going to be in office four years. Secondly, you're talking about someone who continues to, I mean, look, I don't know if he was confused. I don't know what happened, but it should be enough to send us a warning sign that if you look Joe Biden, he's very different than he was two years ago. Are we really going to go into a situation where we have wars around the world and we're trying to prevent war and we're going to have someone who we can or can't be sure that they're going to get confused. It's a real issue. That's not being disrespectful. It's just a fact. It's 100% being disrespectful. And the only reason we're going to have wars around the world is if you're president. So, yeah, no, it's 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 100% disrespectful. People make mistakes. Of course, people make mistakes all the time. You forget things. You forget somebody's name. You, 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 you mix up people. I mean, that stuff happens with people who are not in their late 70s and 80. It's not the same as Joe Biden, and you know it. So you said you said Nancy, uh, you said Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi. All right, it happens. I make mistakes like that. We all make mistakes like that. But but Haley, you're playing right into the Democrats' hands. That's exactly what they want people to think about Trump. They want people to think that the guy's lost it. And for you to be out there saying that, who, how, how does that help? How does that help anybody? No, we will have wars around the world if you're president. No question about it. And she's playing the card. She's playing the race card. She's playing the woman card. You know, I was teased every day for being brown. First of all, I don't believe this. I, re- I really don't because kids are not like this. I, this is a, a BS thing. She didn't grow up in the in the South in the 1950s. I mean, like, give me a break here. You know, this is this is exactly the kind of pandering that you'd expect here last week she said america is not a racist country and she bragged about the fact that she was the first um brown person to become brown woman to become governor of south carolina so she uses it when it's to her benefit and then she turns around and then she plays the victim card and you know what it infuriates a lot of people like our buddy kathy barnett who came out and said give me a break you know i'm more brown than you are nikki Haley, and i i haven't nobody ever teased me this is a bunch of bs is what it is This is what she said on Meet the Press, cut number five. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. 
It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been, the Civil War's always been known about slavery. So you see, she's she's the victim here. I mean, she'd become governor and all, but she's definitely a victim. And she's had it so hard. Her life has been so hard. It's it's just it's playing into exactly what and this is the it's the it's the classic quote unquote mainstream Republican thing to do, which is to say what you think the corporate media is looking for. And I'll tell you what happens if she becomes the nominee. Ready? What happens is they'll turn around and say, how can you remain a Republican in a racist party knowing that you were teased every day for being brown? And, and, and those comments will not help her in any way, shape or form. And it's the kind of victimhood crap that the left peddles every single day in this country. You know, that there's racism all around us and there's sexism all around us and homophobia and everything else and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, the bottom line is this. This is not she will stay in this race. I've told you my theory. She's going to stay in the race of the convention. The establishment wants to hope that something happens to Trump and that she will then be called in. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think Republican primary voters want her, even if Trump is out of the race. I don't think they do. And, you know, you can disagree with me on this point, but I think that if that were to happen, if two months from now, you know, something happens to Trump and he's he can't run and it's not going to be because of jail or anything like that. I think they'd want DeSantis back in the race. I don't think they'd want Haley. I don't think they'd rally around Haley. I think whoever Trump's VP would be has a better chance potentially of, of getting the party support at that point. But the Republican establishment is going to say the checks will clear and your consultants will get paid. So you got nowhere to go. Might as well stay in. But Trafalgar does excellent polling, and Trafalgar's polling is the best, you know what I mean? And they really point out what I've been saying, which is that we can all pretend like there's drama for tomorrow. There's no drama about tomorrow. Trump's going to win. And I don't think it's going to be close. But if it's not really, really close, there's no pathway here because she's going to go lose in South Carolina next, which is her home state. And she's already been rejected by Tim Scott and Nancy Mace. And the only person still around her at this point is 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 ace of the hat Hutchinson. That's it. So this is we can pretend like this is really a two person race. It's not. It's not. Trump's the Trump's the de facto nominee. He you can say with confidence he is the presumptive Republican nominee. Now, could something happen between now and the convention to him physically that would prevent him from being able to run? I don't put anything past anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's, life is too unpredictable. But I know it's not going to be because he's going to be rotting in a Georgia jail cell. That entire Fannie Willis case is about to blow up completely because of her gumata. I, the Jack Smith federal prosecution is going nowhere because the Supreme Court's going to take way too long to decide on this thing anyway. Trump's going to be on the ballot. So all those efforts are not going anywhere. But if you think this is really a two-person race, like if you're one of those Republicans who thinks that Trump's going to lose or you can't stand the guy and you really think Nikki Haley has a shot here, you have to understand in order for that to be the case, she's got to come really close to Trump tomorrow in New Hampshire, and she's not going to. I'm telling you right now, you heard it from me first, and I'm really wrong on these things. 
as you know, we had a big win. The Zioli Army had a big win yesterday. Not because the Sanders dropped it out. Dropped out. I'm not saying it for that reason because I like him. I'm saying we had a big win because I gave him the advice to drop out, and he took it. Probably not because of me, but maybe. Who knows? All I know is that we predicted this right. We got it right. We gave him the good advice to save his political future, and he will save his political future. He took the road he needed to take. But we would, we were saying it all week, and we and 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 I predicted that he would be out of the race before New Hampshire. I thought he was going to drop on Friday. As a matter of fact, I was waiting. The cameras were all queued up, but it didn't happen. But anyway, Trafalgar's um, uh, the two two pollsters, Mark Penn, who's a smart guy, has done a lot of polling in the past for the Clintons, and Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar Group. They talked with Maria Bartiromo yesterday morning. Cut number six. The Washington swamp has done everything in its power to take away your voice. But this Tuesday, it is finally. And one of the things that we talked about is how Trump's appeal to the independents was how he won the New Hampshire primary the first time in 2016. And, you know, there's this idea that independents are, are going to break all Haley's way. But it's more independents that were Democrats and switched parties back in December is going to be her strength versus true independents. And uh, our thought is that if Haley doesn't get within four or five to get very close, that she's just not viable anymore and she can't risk coming into her home state and getting beat and getting beat soundly. That, that's the kind of stuff political obituaries are made of. Uh, if and she what wants about a political that? future, she can't yeah. do it. What about that? South Carolina, I've seen polls where she's down 30 to 40 points. What, what's the story in South Carolina, which will happen very soon after? I don't think she can break 35 right now. I mean, every, all the numbers we've seen and everything we've done just kind of give her a cap. And, with, you know, with, with Vivek out and um, with DeSantis fading, the, the, the possibility that Trump can get over 60 is really there. And uh, so I, it, it really just looks like this is kind of a, a, her last stand to have viability. Uh, but, it, you know, she, she's got to be thinking about 2028 and beyond and getting creamed in South Carolina is not the way to get there. Yeah, it's not the way to get there, and it's probably what's going to happen, unfortunately, for her. So, yeah, you know, this is one of those times where you just got to say, and look, you know, I mean, the, the Tim Scott endorsement that Trump tells you everything you need to know. Tim Scott's a smart guy. He knows that Trump's going to be the nominee, and he also knows what the people of South Carolina think. I mean, she's not going to win her own state, and she's not going to come close in her own state. So, yeah, you can pretend it's a two-person race. You, you certainly can. You can pretend that, and technically it is. But you could also argue that it, unless in, unless something dramatic happens to change course here, that there's not enough support for her, even with Trump out of the race. Like In other words, if Trump's out of the race, she still doesn't get vaulted to number one. There'll be a scramble, a scramble to get somebody else in the race. And that was the only argument for DeSantis to stay in, was what if something happened to Trump? But he was smart to recognize that the odds of that are pretty slim and that by staying in and getting slaughtered, he's only doing damage to himself in the future. The problem, though, for Haley at this point, as she keeps saying she's going to stay in it, she's going to stay in it, she's going to stay in it, is she's got a lot of swamp creatures around her. She's got a lot of, lot of establishment people whispering in her ear and saying, Nikki, you got to stay in this till the convention. We need you. 
What if something happens, Nikki? We need to be able to turn to you. And this is the same stuff they said to Ted Cruz in 2016. The same exact strategy. And it didn't work then. It's not going to work now. But what? But I mean, you know, Tim Scott's right. He's a smart guy. This is his endorsement of Trump last night. He uh, Friday evening, excuse me, at New Hampshire. It was right after the show ended. He then shortly got engaged to his beautiful fiance. shortly after that. Cut number seven. You see, we need a president who doesn't see black or white. We see a a president who sees Americans as one American family. We need. And that's why I came to the very warm state of New Hampshire to endorse the next president of these United States. And will he be the vice presidential pick? It's very possible. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like Tim Scott if you're Donald Trump. No doubt. No doubt about it. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, he's on the short list for sure. No question about it. He's on the short list. Another person on the short list is J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio. Ohio is a must win state. I think I think Republicans will win it. Um, J.D. Vance has a lot to offer. I think that he's not going to be Trump's running mate. But the rumor is he's on the short list. This is what he said over the weekend on Fox News Sunday. Uh, the new poll revealing that Trump is leading Haley by close to 20 points in New Hampshire. Cut number eight. I'm in every one of those same general election polls. And I beat Biden by 17 points. It's something that's resonating with people here. Here are a couple of voters I talked to who made that point as well. Tom and Linda, okay. Have you made a decision? Are you here to to get more information? Where are you guys at? I think you're to get more information, but I'm sort of leaning towards Nikki. Okay, why? I think she's got the best chance to beat Joe Biden. Okay, you've seen the polls. Uh, not all of them are the wide uh, range that Nikki Haley cited there at 17 points. Most, most of them are closer, but she is in all of those head-to-head polls involving the GOP, uh, the one who seems to do best against the president. So what do you tell those voters who say that's why they're choosing her? Well, first of all, Shane, I actually saw a Rasmussen poll just yesterday that suggested that Donald Trump did much better against Joe Biden than Nikki Haley does. So I don't think that's true of anything close to the majority of the polls. But but again, I go back to something I said a little bit earlier. Nikki Haley has not faced the Democrat and media machine for six years. And we have to ask ourselves not what the, the polls will say today, but what do the polls say when Democrats run ads saying that Nikki Haley wants to slash your Social Security so that she can send more money to foreign countries? That is exactly what they're going to do, because that is, in fact, what Nikki Haley says she wants to do out on the campaign trail. We have to remember well, negative to, ads to, and, 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 to, the, and the messaging behind them, Shannon, if I can just yeah. finish, they really do make an impact. And we have to ask ourselves, who's the most resilient candidate in the face of the Democratic machine? I don't know how anybody can look at the last six years and say that's anybody but Donald Trump. You know, the point about... Um the point about she hasn't faced a general election, yeah, absolutely. She's not faced a general election when they turn their cannons on her, and, and they will. And this is what always happens. You know, the the, the corporate media, uh, they love the moderate Republican, the whole idea of that. What they really mean by that is somebody who will give them a war. But the establishment loves them, too. But, no, if they think Biden can beat her, then they'll turn the cannons on her. If they, if they think that Biden's going to lose to her, they won't care because she'll give them Ukraine, and it's fine. They're terrified about Trump, though. They're terrified. Um, 
I don't know if Mr. and Mrs. Nobody on Twitter has been listening to the show, but I, I talked about the Supreme Court allowing federal agents to cut razor wire uh, earlier today. Uh, I talked about it in the 3 o'clock hour when it happened and the 4 o'clock hour as well. But yes, that is the big story of the day today. The United States Supreme Court is allowing federal agents to cut razor wire installed along the border by Texas. And we can thank Amy Coney Barrett for siding with the Democrats for this treasonous decision. And why we are so anti-barbed wire, I have no idea, because it obviously is a powerful deterrent, which is why it's used by our government internally, domestically, all the time. A big story today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com, which is also why we're launching our NoRazorWire.org organization. And the goal here will be to remove razor wire everywhere it is in the United States of America, airports, prisons, power, power facilities, wherever there's razor wire, I want you to report it because we are going to lobby for it to be taken down. Razor wire is mean. For those people trying to break into a facility, do something they're not supposed to do, it's mean, and it's dangerous to them. And it's also apparently dangerous to law enforcement who has to deal with it. So my organization, norazorwireever.org.net, is going to be involved in the practice of having razor wire removed wherever it is. If there's razor wire by a prison, I want it taken down, because obviously it's mean to prisoners trying to escape. And it endangers the lives of corrections officers who'd have to deal with the prisoner trying to escape. If there's razor wire by an airport, I want it taken down because if a terrorist tries to sneak into an airport to hijack a plane, it's mean if they get cut on razor wire. And obviously, it endangers law enforcement who would have to deal with that terrorist trying to sneak into an airport, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if, and I mean this, If they put up razor wire in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration, I want that taken down, too, because it's mean. You can cut yourself on it. And then law enforcement, it's dangerous for them, because if you get stuck on razor wire, then law enforcement has to come and rescue you. And that's dangerous to them. These are all the arguments that the Biden White House has given here. You've heard the arguments from Corrine Jean-Pierre. Razor wire is cruel. It's mean. So even though it works. It's a powerful deterrent, which is why we have it pretty much everywhere in this country. What I'd like you to do, your part to start doing right now, is I would like you to please help us uncover the location of razor wire. Now, understand that doing so may get you on a terrorist list, but you're probably already on that list, so it doesn't matter. But really, wherever you see razor wire, demand that it be taken down. Tear down this razor wire. Because if it's so cruel to illegal immigrants, if it serves as such a deterrent and the Biden administration admits that it's a deterrent and admits that it works, because if it didn't work, why would they want to take it down? So just think about that. If razor wire didn't work, why would they be suing Texas to force Texas to remove the, bar, the razor wire? Because it works. And they don't want it to work. They don't want anything to stop the invasion of our southern border. This is the Biden administration admitting that they want the invasion to continue. They're not even pretending. They could have ignored it. They could have let some human rights groups sue Texas. But instead, the Biden Department of Justice went after Texas. And now the United States Department of Homeland Security, as we speak, will be going in there and tearing down the razor wire. Texas won't do it. Texas doesn't have to. And Texas hasn't been ordered to take it down. But what the Supreme Court said is that the federal government can go in and take it down. 
even though it's Texas property on Texas state land. But federalism is dead. Federalism is clearly dead. But I just want to know if Corrine Jean-Pierre is going to have the same feeling about razor wire at federal penitentiaries. Because it seems to me that the Biden administration's concern with anybody who might get tangled in it is a legitimate one. It's very, very harsh. Not that I know. I've never actually tried to go over a fence that has barbed wire on it for a reason. Because I'm not an idiot and I know it would hurt. But that's the point. That's why we use it. We use it as a deterrent because it hurts people. The Biden administration doesn't want any deterrence. No deterrence whatsoever. I hope the American people realize that. Now, for Justice John Roberts, I'm not surprised. He's going to rely on a terrible Supreme Court decision that said only the federal government, not the states, can deal with immigration. And Amy Coney Barrett, I'm not surprised either because, you know, it's probably not the Jesuit Catholic thing to do or something. I don't know. I haven't read any of the opinions yet. This all came out. But I know that obviously the dissents by uh, Gorsuch and Alito and Thomas and Kavanaugh are spot on. You know, the 5-4 decision. And I don't know if the opinions have been written. I don't know the extent of it other than the court has just made this ruling. And they said, for now, for now. The president was asked a question over the weekend. Do you say the border is secure? And he says, oh, you know, I mean, no, it's not secure. You know, we, we, I've been saying for 10 years now, uh, you know, give me the money. And then blaming it on Republicans. That Republicans are the reason why the border is not secure. Well, the irony in this, right, is his administration turns around and now will be going in there and tearing down barbed wire. Literally going in. You're going to see, instead of the feds dealing with the invasion of the southern border, instead of the feds dealing with that situation, they're going to be spending their time and their precious resources now, and they are going to be taking down razor wire that is obviously doing its job, which is why the Biden administration wants it down, because it's doing its job. And I'm sorry, but as I look at that picture of John Fetterman uh, from his interview with Jake Tapper, I am more and more convinced that it is his body double. And Fetterperson's body double has just now taken on the role of the senator. I just don't think it's John Fetterman. Sounds a lot like him, but it doesn't look like him anymore. Anyway, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. we got a lot more to get to as we continue to pretend like there's a real race in New Hampshire tomorrow. There isn't. But let's pretend for drama's sake, shall we? Who will win New Hampshire? How close will it be? Let's pretend. I like it. It's fun. You and I both know that Donald Trump is going to crush it tomorrow in New Hampshire and in doing so also crush Nikki Haley's political future. But don't count on her to drop out after New Hampshire or South Carolina when she loses that either. Just remember that. Mark is in Conshohocken. Mark, thank you for your patience and holding. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Rich. How are you? Good, good, good. Rich, I've never been so mad at the Supreme Court, especially the two reliable, supposed reliable conservatives they don't care about us and you know what you know how we repay them by instituting term limits then they'll wise up you know john roberts doesn't surprise me that guy is such a turncoat i am disappointed with amy coney barrett you know i'm so sick of hearing about them they're all we're conservatives we're conservatives well, they forgot about state rights. 
You're All exactly right. right. And and states' rights matter. And the state of Texas has the right to protect its own border. The state of Texas has a right here and a responsibility to do so. And the Supreme Court should acknowledge that. It's not fair to the state of Texas just because of where they're located ge- geographically that their state should have such a security risk. Right. And not only that, Rich, it's, it's border security. It's um, other issues that the Supreme Court quote, conservatives, unquote, should be sticking up for us. That means all politicians, balanced budgets, it should all be stopped. So when the state gets some cojones and starts a convention of the states, then they'll wise up. Well, I would love to see a convention of the states, an Article 5 convention of the states markets, what's we need. But, buddy, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thanks, Rich. I want to remind you, we have two great events coming up. Uh, first of all, the big event with Terry Hayes, his new book, The Year of the Locust, which is amazing, is February 7th. And get your tickets today by going to 1210WPHT.com. Terry Hayes is a remarkable guy. The book is amazing. We're going we're gonna to find out so much about the inner workings of the CIA and these denied access areas where these spies have to go into places like Iran, for example. Um, and he's got a great he's, he's got a great mind. I mean, he, he's worked on so many great movies over the years, too. So we're going to have a real fun chat together. And then on February 1st, which is before February 7th, obviously, is our next comedy night at Park. Parks Casino. And all you got to do to get your tickets is go to parkscasino.com slash comedy. We'll have great comedians there. 20 bucks gets you your ticket and your first drink free. So you get laughs and a drink for 20 bucks. I'll be the MC along with Mike Baldini. We'll have a lot of fun too. There'll be some great comedians there. We will enjoy the, the night together. Just go to parkscasino.com slash comedy for Joe Conklin's Comedy Night, Thursday, February 1st. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER and I will see you there. Now, uh, We'll talk more about New Hampshire, obviously. We will also talk about the latest uh, with the Supreme Court decision. There's a lot of reaction coming in. People are furious, and they, and they should be furious. This is an absolute disgrace, this decision by the, the Supreme Court. 5-4 ruling that Texas must allow the feds to remove the border uh, razor wire. It's, it's outrageous. It's atrocious decision, but not surprising. Not surprising when you consider what a turncoat John Roberts really is. We'll talk more about that. But listen, NJDiet.com is going to help you lose weight. 20 to 40 plus pounds guaranteed in only 40 days time with NJ Diet. What are you waiting for? You'll look great. You'll feel great too. And it's guaranteed. Forget shots. You don't want to spend the rest of your life getting shots and hormones and drugs and surgery, prepackaged foods, all those things. Please, you don't want to do that. What you want to do is go to njdiet.com today. You'll lose weight the right way with a program designed for your biochemistry. Just call 855-5-NJ-DIET or go to njdiet.com. Lose the weight for good once and for all and feel great because it's guaranteed, guaranteed weight loss without shots, without surgery, without side effects and all the other nonsense. This is what you need to do. You need to do it today. 855-5-NJ-DIET or njdiet.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So Trump VP, that of course is the speculation. Uh, one of the names you've heard a lot about is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the young governor of Arkansas, of course, the former White House press secretary, mom, uh, and the daughter of uh, former governor Mike Huckabee. So she was on Face the Nation. Speculation builds about her potential as a pick for Veep. The, the Veep stakes. It's interesting, too, as I think about it. You know, the Veep stakes, as they call it, uh, are happening because everybody knows Trump's the nominee. But again, we can pretend like there's drama around New Hampshire. We can pretend like it's going to be close tomorrow. We, we can pretend like, oh, who's going to win? It, I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Haley is going to come in a very, very bad second. She'll limp on to South Carolina. She'll lose there, too. But that doesn't mean she's going anywhere. But it's, this is not a two-person race. Let's just stop. Stop pretending like it's a two-person race. It hasn't been. Trump has been the de facto nominee for a while. I've told you this. I was saying this last year. And I was saying it, and I got DeSantis people mad at me. But I said it had nothing to do with that. It's not that. I like DeSantis a lot. Just a reality. Just a political reality. The political headwinds are the way they are. You know, Greg Gutfeld said, Ron DeSantis is a lot like electric cars. People, people just aren't ready for him yet. I think DeSantis has a bright political future, and I've been saying that. And his decision to get out of the race was the smart political decision, period. And there were some people that thought he would wait until New Hampshire, and I said, if he does, it will destroy him. Because if he drops out after coming in third place, it is something you can't recover from. You will always be remembered as the guy who came in third place in New Hampshire, and that's not where you want to be. But anyway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders would she do it? Would she be Trump's running mate? She sat down with Margaret Brennan on Face of the Nation. Cut number nine. Well, that's why we need him to come back for four years, because he didn't get to finish. But he certainly made significant progress. Our border was far more secure under President Trump than under President Biden. I had the chance to go to the border myself. And while I was there, met with those who are standing on the front lines, including members of the Arkansas National Guard that we deployed because the federal government is not doing their job. States are having to step up. And in meeting with those individuals, they told us that more people had come across in just that month, just that month on the terrorist watch list than in the entire four years of Donald Trump's presidency. Donald Trump was actually taking steps to secure our border, to strengthen our country. It's hard to argue that having a good economy, having safe okay. and secure borders, taking a hard line against China, those are empowering Would you be and his VP things asked? for our country. And only... Hold on, I want to just finish this one point. And only one of two people in the race has actually delivered on each of those things. And it's Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. And you'd be open to vetting to be his vice president, potentially? Look, I absolutely love the job I have. I think it's one of the best jobs I could ever ask for. And I am honored to serve as governor. And I hope I get to do it for the next seven years. 
That's what you have to say, obviously. But no, she's on the short list for sure. I, I have no doubt. Um, but I don't think it's going to be her. I don't know. I just, I, I just don't. I, I don't. I, some, I just don't see it. But who knows? I mean, again, it's just going to be a game day decision probably by Trump. But maybe it'll be Doug Burgum. I mean, Doug is fighting hard. I got a better idea, Henry. Ready? Here's my pick. Jason Kelsey. <laughs> it definitely Not win Travis, Pennsylvania. Jason. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, who else who else could get away with taking their shirt off at a at a Chiefs Bills game? I mean, was that not a beautiful, beautiful sight? <laughs> it's glorious. And I'm so glad he did it. Uh, he's just a he's a he's such a handsome man. He'd be a great vice president. Um, his wife Kylie reacted to <laughs> the shirtless Jason Kelsey during the game. Um, she looked completely unfazed. She's gorgeous, by the way. And that guy outkicked his coverage big time. But um, she, I guess, shared a a, a, a tweet. And she just kind of sits there and just sort of just has a look on her face like she can't really believe what's happening. But anyway, I mean, you got to you got to love the guy. So Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of people being outraged about it, though. Why? Well, because if you're getting mad at Taylor, you know, the pan, the camera panning to Taylor Swift, why, you know, so hype about Jason Kelsey getting the same treatment? Because he's got a better body than Taylor Swift. (laughs) got more curves he's got more curves <laughs> right he's actually not just a thin piece of spaghetti uh all right i gotta take a quick break 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zioli we'll keep looking at the potential veep stakes also some sad news uh those two navy seals have been confirmed deceased uh john kirby came out and officially announced that a short time ago and yes the united states supreme court selling out federalism and the state of texas no question about it we'll talk about all these things don't go away Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Uh, some sad news today. John Kirby, the uh, national security spokesperson. I mean, you, you, you would imagine the president of the United States of America coming out and saying something like this, but of course not. Uh, Henry, I don't know if you have the clip I sent over yet, but uh, a short time ago, he confirmed that those two missing Navy SEALs are, in fact, deceased. Uh, this is Kirby. Take a listen. Um, and then lastly, um, I'd be remiss speaking about the field of battle if I did not also um, point you to the president's statement today uh, acknowledging and mourning the death of two Navy SEALs uh, who were killed while conducting an interdiction operation um, in the uh, uh, in the Gulf of Aden, uh, trying to interdict uh, munitions and weapons that we believe were heading from Iran to uh, to the Houthis uh, in Yemen. It uh, underscores how dangerous the mission can be um, and the dangers that these uh, these brave warriors are willing to face every day. And I think as we all go about our day, we ought to just take a moment to remember that a couple of families are just got the worst news possible. Um, and it's important that they know uh, that the president and the first lady will stay solidly behind them and their families, make sure that they get all the support they need. And I know that the same sentiment has been expressed to them from the Defense Department and from the Navy Department. You know, it's amazing that um, the president issues a statement. That's not the same thing as the president coming out and saying anything. And they asked him, they did ask him today as he was getting ready to, I guess, come home on Marine One after spending another weekend away from the White House. And, of course, he doesn't say anything. You know, he just 
ignores the questions from the reporters about the two dead Navy SEALs. Uh, I'm not going to play the audio because it's painful, but Chuck Schumer just a short time ago was railing on the floor of the Senate about how we can't abandon Ukraine. We have to keep giving Ukraine more money. You know, it's amazing how the swamp wants to continue to feed this beast. And Nikki Haley does as well. I mean, she does. She does. I mean, this this is why I've told you before, and I'll say it again. The establishment is okay with Nikki Haley because of her stance on Ukraine. Both parties. Both parties. So if 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 do not be surprised, A, when she loses tomorrow in New Hampshire, B, when she loses in South Carolina, and tomorrow will not be close, despite what the, you know, prognosticators are saying. Remember, I know better. Um, that... She will stay in because of the fact that the establishment could live with her over Trump. And if if it's going to be Trump, then they have to do something about Biden because he's losing. Biden is losing to Trump. And that is terrifying them. Ter- I mean, terrifying them. You know, I saw I saw a link today that my buddy Matt Rooney posted. It's a story from. So so General Kelly, right, who was Trump's first chief of staff. Exclusive from CNN, John Kelly goes on the record to confirm several disturbing stories about Trump. The thing about this article, though, it's on the Drudge Report, which Drudge hates Trump, hates his guts, right? But it's on the Drudge Report in the top. So it looks like a breaking news story. But the article is dated Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. So what, what, what I don't understand is how is this new news? This is an old article. I mean, I'm I'm looking. It says updated 8:52 a.m. Eastern Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. Today is Monday, January 22nd, 5:54 p.m. So explain to me why this is something that would be a link on the Judge Report, other than the fact that Judge hates his guts and obviously the swamp is freaking out because Trump's going to win. I mean, he he's going to win. And beat Joe Biden, which is why, if you do believe my theory that they will swap Biden out if they have to, they will. If 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 they have to do that, they will do that. They can't risk Biden losing to Trump. They just can't. And right now, Biden is losing to Trump. And these polls are terrible. These polls are bad. These are the kind of things you just can't recover from. And, you know, Nikki Haley going out there and, and, and comparing Trump's mental acuity to Biden's is just a, another sellout move by her. This is exactly what the left wants. But Doug Burgum defended Trump. And Doug Burgum and the Burgum bros, I told you the reason why Trump won New Hampshire in the first place was because of Doug Burgum. And yes, okay, fine. I called Doug Burgum as being the next president. I was wrong on that. But I hope I've redeemed myself with my advice to Governor Ron DeSantis, which I've been giving since Iowa. Get out of the race before New Hampshire. I don't know any other conservative talk show hosts who were saying that besides me. Maybe they were, but all I know is that we like to take credit for things on this show. Here's Doug Burgum defending Trump on the campaign trail as he talked to Martha Raddatz on ABC News this week. Cut number 10. You spent more than $12 million of your own money to run for president, saying you had the best chance of pulling the country together. You are now endorsing Donald Trump. So you believe he has the best chance of pulling the country together? Well, Martha, I'm endorsing Donald Trump uh, because I've had an opportunity to serve as governor uh, under President Trump and under President Biden. Uh, President Trump and I were both elected on the same day back in November of of 2016. I had endorsed him then. I endorsed him in 2020. And as uh, we know, during the time that President Trump was in office, I mean, we had peace and prosperity in America. 
And, and under President Biden, we've got chaos around the world. You know this better than anyone. You've traveled more. You know the countries. But between the Middle East, Eastern Europe, uh, what's going on with China, the world is on fire. And, and uh, our, as when I was campaigning, we were running on three things, the economy, on energy policy, and national security, and how those three things are all interrelated. And Joe Biden is taking us in the wrong direction on all of those, 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And and not, I'm confident that President Trump is uh, he's going to be right on the economy, right on energy policy and right on national security. There's Doug Burgum doing the right thing. And Doug Burgum will wind up in Trump's cabinet. I truly believe that. And maybe he'd be a good pick for it, too. He won't be the running mate, but he'll be a um, he'll be in the cabinet, I think. All right. Listen, we got a big six o'clock hour coming up for you. Our fourth and final hour of the show we will preview New Hampshire. Obviously, the United States Supreme Court deals a gigantic F.U. to Texas and two sellouts. John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett lead the way. We'll share, we'll share that breaking news with you in the 6 o'clock hour as well. Plus, a question, which is, is it okay for uh, unaccompanied minors to be left in malls? Because one local mall is actually enforcing the policy against it, saying, no, they can't. But isn't the mall the place where young unaccompanied minors go for fun? We'll talk about all that straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Texas responds after Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts side with the liberal justices and say, tear down this razor wire. An absolutely atrocious ruling by the United States Supreme Court. And uh, today, the Border Patrol Council president came out and said, agents support what Texas was trying to accomplish. So why would the Supreme Court do this? Why would the United States government want this razor wire taken down? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. That is the big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. Yeah, this ruling by the Supreme Court is, uh, it's despicable. It really is despicable. So what the court did today was in a 5-4 decision, they said that the razor wire that Texas had erected to keep people from crossing into their state illegally uh, needs to come down. Now, Texas does not have to take it down, but federal agents will take it down, and they're allowed to. And Texas is defending their right here, and they should. They should defend their right to do this because they have to protect their state. What are they supposed to do is my question. They're a border state. We have a United States government that is allowing an invasion to occur at the southern border. And Texas is bearing the brunt of it. So what are they supposed to do? You know, and then all these whiny blue state governors and blue state mayors, they all come out and they whine and they moan and they say, you know, we don't want these people here. Don't send them here. We don't have the resources. We don't have the resources. And the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, turns around and says, we don't have the resources. You know, listen, I mean, you, you guys, what you're dealing with here what is, is a fraction of what we have to deal with in Texas. It is a fraction of it. By the way, Trump is, um, he's got about a 20-point lead over Haley in tomorrow's 
New Hampshire primary. It's not going to be close. It's going to, I mean, she's going to get crushed. Um, but I do, I do love the drama. I do love how everybody's pretending like this is really a dramatic moment right now. Like there's a chance that Haley might beat Trump in New Hampshire. DeSantis dropping out was the best thing for his political future, but it was also the best thing for Trump. He was going to win regardless. DeSantis would have got crushed, but now Trump is going to beat Haley uh, even, even more because the, the majority of DeSantis voters will go to Trump, no question about it. Some may stay home, but only a very small amount are going to back Nikki Haley. So this was a good move. This was a good move by DeSantis to do this. The other thing is that there's a big development in Georgia. What's happening in Georgia with Fannie Willis. Now, Fannie Willis is the district attorney in Fulton County. She's the one who's trying to destroy Donald Trump. And she has a a boyfriend. The boyfriend happens to be the guy that she hired to do the prosecution at about $650,000. Now, this guy has no business doing this whatsoever. He's a guy that has experience being basically a municipal court judge. So he gets hired by his gumada, who brings him in to lead the prosecution against a former president of the United States on this novel theory that Trump tried to overturn the election results in Georgia, which, of course, he did not do. So then wouldn't you think you'd hire a really top prosecutor? I mean, somebody who's really good at this. And nope, because she wants to go on nice trips. And that's exactly what's been happening. She's been going on fancy trips. She's been going on cruises and he's been taking her. So he's going through a divorce. And as part of this divorce now, he's going to have to answer, did he have an extramarital affair? And was it with Fannie Willis? And that money is the issue. It's not because the judge is looking for some, you know, to to punish him morally. It's a question of, did you get this money and did you share it with your wife? And is this part of the divorce? And in the course of all that, Fannie Willis's case against Trump is going to blow up because this is such a clear conflict of interest that when all this comes out, she will not be allowed to continue the prosecution nor will her boyfriend. That means then that they have to get a new prosecutor. Good luck. Good luck with that. Because now there's, first of all, the system in Georgia to select a replacement prosecutor. It's not like there's a deputy in her office who's going to take over. They literally have to get an outside prosecutor to do this now, an outside district attorney. And nobody may want to because it's a bad case. Fannie Willis ran on a campaign of getting Donald Trump. She hoped that this would bring her into the uh, Georgia governor's mansion at some point. But it, it's over. I mean, this is a disaster. This is a complete and utter disaster. And so now the deposition that she was going to have to do, and which she would have to admit under oath that she's having an affair with this guy, that's been put on hold. But the judge is going to get the truth from uh, her gumata, her boyfriend. And then when that comes out and everybody realizes that there's a record, because there is, of him buying airline tickets for them and going on cruises together and all these other things, this is done. The case in Georgia is over. New York's a civil case, so that's nothing. And then, of course, you know, on the federal level, the special counsel, Jack Smith, well, that guy's case has been put on hold, too. So basically, any efforts to get Trump out of the race legally, in terms of, I mean, by using the court system, I should say, that's not going to happen. That's over. That's done and not going to happen. Over. Forget it. So now they have to, now the Democrats really have to figure out what they're going to do with the old geezer in the White House.
Because all the little fantasies about Trump e- e- either being in prison or, uh, you know, being executed by, I don't know, the Georgia criminal code or something, it's all gone now. Here's a little flashback for you. In a video which recently resurfaced, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis promises while on the campaign trail in 2020 that she would not date people with whom she worked. The Free Beacon discovered video of the district attorney talking about the subject in April 2020, just months before she was elected. She also said it would be unfortunate if taxpayers had to pay for an elected official's sexual misconduct. Cut 13. Um, It is saddening to me if young women felt like they came to work and they were, one, even judged for being a woman, but two, if certainly they felt uncomfortable within the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, That will not be something that is allowed on my watch. Um, Supervisors under my leadership that are not encouraging and building up my staff will not be supervisors long in my administration. And um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under me. Let let me just say that. Um, You know, we are at a place in society where things happen in people's relationships, husband and wife. Sometimes there are outside relationships. I don't think that that's what the community is concerned about, although there, you know, there might be a, a moral breaking in that. I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about is if you chose to have inappropriate contact with employees. I mean, there's nothing that I can say on it other than it is distracting. Um, it is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. Um, and it just, it, it really, really saddens me. And it will be very unfortunate if the taxpayers of this community have to pay for any of those lawsuits. Exactly. That's the way I feel. Well, here's the thing. Not only have the taxpayers had to pay for your phony prosecution of Trump, but your the $650,000 that your boyfriend got that the taxpayers had to pay for is now the reason why your case is about to go up in flames and the Georgia legislature should impeach you and remove you from office. I'm assuming they have that power. I don't know the Georgia Constitution, but if they do, then they absolutely should do that. There's no question about it because Fannie Willis has abused her office here. So the Georgia case is done. It's dead. It's dead in its tracks. And the feds have nothing either. Don't forget, too, there's still a question of whether or not, as President Donald Trump had immunity from the events of January 6th, certainly his words that day, that case will be decided by the district court in D.C. at any moment and then appealed to the Supreme Court, most likely. So then that means that this is going to get dragged on. Their idea of stopping Trump by putting him behind bars is over. It's done. It's over. Period. Trump reacted to uh, Governor Ron DeSantis endorsing him. Called him a very gracious person. He said he was very, very happy to have his endorsement. And um, I think that not only was this a wise move for DeSantis to be able to uh, avoid a massive loss tomorrow in New Hampshire, Trump's grateful I think that DeSantis is probably going to be get an elevated position at the convention, if not do the nominating speech. He'll be up there in a, in a prominent role, and he should. He should be, because he's a, he's a great governor. He's already put out a statement today slamming the United States Supreme Court. Again, you know, I've always been favorable of Ron DeSantis. I've always liked the guy. I told you when he spoke at the Union League a year ago, I thought he was fantastic. But I also know that this was not his time. It was just Trump was an unmovable force. But this is what he tweeted out. He said, the Supreme Court is siding with the Biden administration against Texas by allowing the federal government to take down razor wire on the border. Texas is trying to enforce our laws 
and uphold our sovereignty, while the federal government is disregarding the law and ignoring its responsibility to protect our borders. What an upside-down world. Joe Biden wants this invasion of the southern border to continue. The federal government wants this to continue. That's why they are going to start removing the razor wire. And there's nothing Texas can do because the feds are going to go in there heavily armed and take down the razor wire. And when this occurs, I hope they show it on live TV so that Americans can see the Border Patrol using their resources to take down a deterrent from people invading the country, to take down a national security deterrent to protect the state. I hope you watch it. I hope they show it on live TV. I hope people can see with their own eyes exactly what this administration is trying to do. Anything that could serve as a deterrent to people crossing into this country illegally, they want removed. And under the guise of razor wire is mean and it might hurt you and put law enforcement at risk because somebody might get tangled up in it. I mean, all their stupid excuses. And that's why I've been saying throughout the show today, I say wherever there's razor wire, we should have to take it down. Anywhere. If there's razor wire by jails and courts and prisons, razor wires by airports, outside power plants, wherever it needs to come down. Because it is a very effective deterrent, but it's mean. And it might scratch people. It might get scratchy. Scratchy, scratchy. And then, using the administration's logic, it will jeopardize law enforcement. So that means if somebody's trying to escape from prison, that means that if they go through barbed wire, that puts the corrections officials' lives at risk. So therefore, that's not, you got to take that down too. So wherever there's razor wire throughout America, it needs to come down. Anywhere and everywhere. Because it's the only way to follow that logic. We know it works at the border. That's why they want it taken down. So it works everywhere. Because it's sharp and it cuts you and makes you go scratchy scratch. Scratch, you got an itch, you might get infected. Might need to put a little, you know, antibiotic cream on that. Neosporin or something. But point is, it's mean. It's got to come down. So I say it has to come down everywhere. If we're going to be consistent here. But Texas, you know, I hope that Texas does everything in its power to try to push back on this. They're limited in what they can do, obviously, because the federal government's going to go in there, uh, guns blazing, and tear down this razor wire. But the only thing I can say is that let it be used for political advantage. Let everybody see it happen. Show it live. And make sure that people understand. Because this is an issue that is crossing party lines. The extreme... uh, I shouldn't say the extreme because it is the majority. The Democrat Party wants open borders. The Democrat Party does. The establishment of the Democrat Party and the people at the top absolutely do. But on the local level, the local Democrat mayors, local Democrat governors, the ones who all cried about wanting to be amnesty and sanctuary cities and all the other nonsense, they're all feeling the brunt of this because, yes, very smart for Texas and Florida to send illegal immigrants to those places, too. There's also an update on the Capitol riot probe, as it's called. Uh, Over 100 files were deleted before the Republicans took control. 100 files by the J6 committee. What were in those files? They were deleted before the Republicans took majority. We'll talk about that as well. But here's what Trump said about Ron DeSantis after receiving his endorsement uh, in Rochester, New Hampshire, cut number two. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis and, of course, a 
Really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a, a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m., and in so doing, he was very gracious, and he endorsed me, so I appreciate it. I appreciate that, and I also look forward to working with Ron and everybody else to defeat crooked Joe Biden. We will have to get him out. We have to get him out. He's put our country at great peril, at great peril. So I just want to thank Ron and uh, congratulate him on doing a very good job. It's a tough situation. It's a tough thing to do. I'm thrilled to be here. And he also retired the name to Sanctimonious. Now, as I mentioned to you, executive producer Matt DeSantis has COVID. So he's home right now with a warm blankie. What's that? Allegedly. Uh, Right. True. Allegedly. We don't know for sure. We haven't seen the COVID test results, Henry. It's a good point. But he has a warm blankie and some chicken soup. Do you think he has a whoopee? (laughs) What is a whoopee? Whoopi, it's the blanket from Mr. Mom that the kid had, the Whoopi. Oh, I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's a good movie. You should see it. It's probably sexist now. You can't, you can't, you know, I mean, but 220, 225, whatever it takes. Uh, Michael Keaton, it's great, great movie. But the Whoopi, I remember that, the Whoopi. Anyway, he probably has his blankie and he's got his little COVID and he's taking his, his children's chewable uh, Tylenol. Which is delicious, by the way. Grape flavored. Uh, so that's where he is today. But we will still call him Matt DeSanctimonious, Matt DeSanctitraitorous, and Matt DeSanctacovidus. We will use all those nicknames for him on this program going forward. However, Trump has now officially dropped the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious, cut number three. Okay. He just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. <laughs> It's retired. Now, somebody sent me a text. I'm not going to say who, but they said, you know, DeSantis has no pride. Uh, Trump rips your wife, calls you a pedophile, yet you endorse him. He is a wuss, uses the other word for it. Uh, Politics is about pragmatism. I mean, let's face it. It's about pragmatism. And you have to learn that lesson. I don't know what to tell you, but DeSantis is doing what he has to do for himself to save himself for 2028. And he has a great chance in 2028. Of be- I'm not saying he's going to be the nominee. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm, I can't predict that. It's four years or five years away. But what I am saying to you, though, if, four years away, but what I am saying, though, is that there's no doubt he's now saved himself. He was going down the road of ruin and destruction. And yes, he had no choice. He had to endorse Trump. To do otherwise would have been foolish because Trump is going to win. Nikki Haley is going to get crushed in New Hampshire tomorrow. She's going to, it's not going to be close. And then she's, she's going to lose in her home state of South Carolina. I mean, that's just the reality. I don't make the rules here. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even have any influence over this because I'm not on the radio in New Hampshire. I mean, I am because the Zeoli Army is everywhere. And we have listeners, of course, across the country on the Odyssey app. But it's not, it's not anything other than the fact that Nikki Haley has made two fundamental mistakes. The first one is her steadfast support of Ukraine. Republicans don't want it. That's number one. Number two, her other mistake was attacking Trump personally on his mental acuity and all the other things that the Democrats are doing. That was a terrible mistake on her part because that kind that is going to be very hard for her to redeem. 
And by staying in the race all the way to the convention as the establishment's pick, which is what she's going to do, she's only going to wind up hurting herself even more. And then playing the race card and playing the woman card and the victim card and people are mocking it. Even the Babylon Bee today came out and put out a thing. Nikki Haley recalls the time escaping through the Underground Railroad. I mean, you know, she's getting mocked for that today. Like being, you know, you get picked on every day for being brown. Like, stop. Come on. In the Deep South, you stop. But it, it as Trafalgar's poster said, if she wants to have a future, she needs to come within a few points of Trump in New Hampshire. And I'm telling you right now, she's not going to. And if, that, if, that, if you're a Haley supporter and that makes you upset, I, I don't know what to tell you, but it's just a reality. She's not going to come within a few points of Trump tomorrow in New Hampshire. And the only reason why she stays in the race is because the establishment tells her to, and she does because she has money because they're going to pay her, you know, pay, pay her people. But this is going to be ugly tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be bad. So, you know, if you are a Haley supporter, you thought she was the answer, just be prepared for that. This is Trump's got a 20 point lead. It could be even bigger tomorrow. Now, could 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 something change? Of course, I don't see it changing. And I think that the Trafalgar groups, um, Robert Cahaley on Fox News with Maria Bartiromo put it put it correctly yesterday. She needs to get within a few points of Trump to remain a viable candidate here. Cut number six. The Washington swamp has done everything in its power to take away your voice. But this Tuesday, it is finally. And one of the things that we talked about is how Trump's appeal to the independents was how he won the New Hampshire primary the first time in 2016. And, you know, there's this idea that independents are going to break all Haley's way. But it's more independents that were Democrats and switched parties back in December is going to be her strength versus true independents. And uh, our thought is that if Haley doesn't get within four or five to get very close, that she's just not viable anymore and she can't risk coming into her home state and getting beat and getting beat soundly. That, that's the kind of stuff political obituaries are made of. Uh, and she what wants about a political that? future. She can't yeah. do it. What about that? South Carolina, I've seen polls where she's down 30 to 40 points. What, what's the story in South Carolina, which will happen very soon after? I don't think she can break 35 right now. I mean, every, all the numbers we've seen and everything we've done just kind of give her a cap. And, we, you know, with, with Vivek out and um, with DeSantis fading, the, the, the possibility that Trump can get over 60 is really there. And uh, so I, it, it really just looks like this is kind of a, a, her last stand to have viability. Uh, but, it, you know, she, she's got to be thinking about 2028 and beyond and getting creamed in South Carolina is not the way to get there. It's not the way to get there. That's a understatement. Uh, Porn Stars lead Rick Harrison tears into the border crisis as his son Adam's tragic cause of death is revealed. A mom sues the Department of Homeland Security over her daughter's death and so much more regarding illegal immigration. Plus, uh, Dana White speaks out about all the people in Canada, all those wussies who are asking all these ridiculous questions of USC fighters and trying to allege them as being homophobic and bigoted and all all the other things. A uh, lot to get to in our fourth and final hour here as we look at all the breaking news and our preview of New Hampshire. Let's pretend like there's drama, kids. There isn't. But let's pretend like there is because it's good for radio and it's good for TV. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show. 
on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Speed of fights, you want some money, didn't you? Henry. Yeah, I want a little bit. Nothing you, crazy. Um, I, I lost against... more this weekend than I uh, than I won, but at least I won uh, in the UFC arena. So you, you bet against, uh, what's his name? Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, right. Yes. And he lost, so you won. Correct. But you also probably bet on the Bills, I'm guessing, right? No, I didn't bet on the outcome of that game. I had some like uh, player props and parlays, but uh, nothing that bet the outcome of that game because I really wasn't sure. That, that could have gone any other way. I mean, a good game. They were literally a kick away. I mean, that was a good game oh, yesterday. Yeah. That was one of the best football games I've seen in a long time. What do you make of the Eagles firing their uh, defensive coordinator? Well, I mean, they essentially already did that two months ago when they demoted him. Like, that never that never happens. Yeah. They demoted him mid-season, put Matt Patricia instead. Yeah, no, that was – the writing was on the wall back then. So you think uh, Sirianni's the next to go or what? So I, I was talking with Matt Rooney about this a little bit. Uh, it's kind, They're kind of in the same stage they were with like Doug Peterson at the end of Doug's tenure. So right now they're, you know, they're looking to get better offensive and defensive coordinators in here because clearly uh, Nick Sirianni benefited from having you know, innovative play callers you know, on his team. Uh, so what happened was the same thing happened with Doug. You know, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Frank Reich left to go be the coach of the Colts. Uh, He was the offensive coordinator for Doug then. Uh, Then the offense for the Eagles took a tumble. Uh, When Jeffrey Larry went to Doug Peterson saying, hey, uh, you need to get some better coordinators in here. Let's see a list. Let's make a list. The list that Doug uh, came up with uh, didn't suffice, and he was showed the door. And that's where Nick is right now. Nick is in the process of getting better offensive and defensive coordinators in here. And if he doesn't do that, he could still be shown the door. But right now, I'd say his job is still pretty safe, considering they did go to the Super Bowl last year. Right. And right. when Doug did it, it was three years removed. I I, I, uh, I tend to agree with your analysis. Um, I think if it would have happened, if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Uh, no? Not necessarily, no. Because hmm. it was the same thing with Doug. It was like, will they, won't they? And then eventually they did. But I, I do like to think his job is safer than Doug's was at this point. People even forget Doug was there. <laughs> yeah, people still do. I mean, he just had a giant collapse. You know, he's the coach of the Jaguars, and they had a giant collapse down there in Jacksonville at the end of the season. So, you know, people are calling for his head. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, obviously, our our dream of watching an Eagles Super Bowl is – over but uh do you want to make your predictions now for who we're going to see in the super bowl ah man i've been i've been wrestling with this because this is a really tough decision um on the afc side it's it's hard not to you know go against baltimore they're pretty good by some things they're the best team in in football right now yeah i i think so too i think if they make the super bowl they win just because of their dominance versus the nfc I think Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, is fourteen and one all time versus NFC teams. So if they make it, they got a great shot at winning it. It's just you got to get past Patrick Mahomes, and as Josh Allen has learned over the years, it's easier said than done. I mean, they've been in the AFC Championship game. This is the sixth year in a row the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game. Uh, this time they have to do it on the road, though, in Baltimore. So that's why I like Baltimore. I'll give them the slight edge. And then over on the other side. 
Got the lowly Detroit Lions uh, visiting San Francisco to take on those 49ers. And I, I do believe that there is some sort of magic happening in Detroit. And, you know, all the years of, you know, they've gone 30 plus years without making the NFC Championship game, even making the playoffs. They've ne- they're an original NFL team. They're one of the original NFL teams, and they've never been to the Super Bowl. But I think this is the year they get it done. I think they smack San Francisco in the face to start the game and then just run the ball down their throat, control the clock, at least better than uh, Green Bay did on Sunday or, yeah, Saturday. And uh, that'll be your uh, Super Bowl matchup, Detroit Lions, Baltimore Ravens. Well, there you go. I don't think anybody would have thought that at the beginning of the season. Oh, no, definitely not. No, I mean, the Eagles had to be in that conversation. They were betting favorites to start the year. So much for I mean, that. Is this a year Vegas just led us down the wrong road or what? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we'll see because right behind the Eagles was the 49ers. Right. So they, I mean, they could still win. I mean, they're still, they got dudes everywhere. I mean, they could, might as well, they could blow out Detroit for all I know. <laughs> I mean, they really could. They have the personnel to do it. It's just, can they execute? And that's what we're finding out. Can they? Like, that was that was the thing versus the Packers. They got down early and the whole big thing is that 49ers always play with a lead. How can they come back, you know, when they're down? And they did. To their credit, they did. But if they play someone like Detroit, who's got an explosive offense, can they come back from that? Now, you like UFC fighting. I do, too. I, by, by the way, I think those guys are amazing. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, they are just it's, – it's, 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 it's fun to watch. I've been to a couple of them in person. UFC is fun. Uh, Dana White – I mean, he's just—he's amazing because do I remember during COVID he be like bought an island so he could have UFC fights on an yeah. island? Yeah, on Abu Dhabi or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't care. He just does whatever he wants. He says whatever he wants to. So Sean Strickland, you know, there, we didn't play it last week, but he—he had—he was asked all these things and he said all these things. Uh, but we do have this clip of Dana White that went viral over the weekend. So this reporter, this woke Canadian reporter, tried to bait him. UFC President Dana White into commenting on some of former champion Sean Strickland's remarks um, didn't go well. Uh, take a listen. About like you obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there? I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you a leash. I'm st- like free speech. Control what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't fucking tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, Uh, probably a good idea. That's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. I'm assuming you dumped that. Yeah, I dumped that. <laughs> I missed that one when I was going over the... Uh, I was concerned about this, the other clip <laughs> more so than this one. Uh, uh, man. But you see, they don't, have, they don't like free speech in Canada. They don't like, they, they're, they're, they don't like it at all. Uh, now I'm nervous about playing the next clip, but I think you, 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 got, you did a good job of getting all those F-bombs out, right? Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> if not, we're just in the same spot we were 40 seconds ago. No, so. That's why we have a dump button. Yeah. That's why we have a delay. If you heard it on the stream, you got to hear the whole thing. Oh, so yeah. good for you. <laughs>
Lucky, lucky you. It's like the director's cut. <laughs> it's like the director's edition. Oh, that reminds me. I got to send uh, my Marvel advisor, Brian Glass, back his Batman and Robin DVDs. I forgot to do that because the ones I ordered were not the ones they needed. So I got to, I got to do that. Uh, all right. So here's UFC fans in Toronto, Canada. They started chanting F Trudeau. Now, if Matt DeSanctitraitorist were here today, but today's Matt DeSanctitcovidus, I would not be allowed to make any jokes about him being Justin Trudeau's, I mean, Fidel Castro's bastard love child. Um, but since he's not here today, he's a baby at home sucking his thumb with COVID. I can say all I want. So I'll say anything I want. But all I know is that the crowd knows what I know which is that he bears a striking resemblance to Fidel Castro, and they don't like him there. So here's Joe Rogan reacting to the crowd's anti-Trudeau chant, cut 17. Get your shit together. Come back. <laughs> Come back to what you used to be. They hate him. I love it. It's great. UFC fans telling it like it is. All right, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The latest on the Supreme Court's uh, big ruling in Texas. The New Hampshire primary tomorrow. A lot more to chat about. Don't go away. We, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind, because <laughs> oh, yeah. it's more inclusive. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. But tomorrow will be Tuesday, as in the New Hampshire primary. So uh, what to watch for? Watch for Trump with a big win over Haley tomorrow. And, um, you know, the corporate media is all in on trying to make it seem like it's actually a race. And she's got a chance. They like her. And, um until they don't. And by the way, until they don't. I mean, I was just watching, uh, she was on with Nora O'Donnell on CBS Evening News, and they were in New Hampshire. And, you know, she's being grilled about her stance on abortion. So, you know, they, they like her now until they don't, because that's what happens with these so-called reasonable Republicans. But I really do think, you know, there's this new book that came out. Uh, and apparently, according to the book, Joe Biden knew Kamala Harris would be a disaster. Didn't want her to be VP. He wanted Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, who is also a freaking disaster, but in a different way, a disaster. I mean, Kamala Harris can't speak. You know, she's not a she has terrible political instincts. She's not good at this game. She's not good at being out there in public. She'd be a terrible candidate. See, if, they, if, if she was good right now, then Biden would barely be gone. I mean, it wouldn't be an, an issue. She'd be, she'd be, he'd be gone. That'd be the end of it. And, you know, we'd all be moving on with our lives. But since he can't just leave her because, you know, she's the first black woman VP, they've got a major problem. But I wonder, you know, as you see this kind of story come out right now about how he didn't want her, you got to start to wonder if the writing's on the wall for a change. A change of some kind here, because, I mean, really, if there's even a chance that the, the Trump beats him, the swamp, they just can't risk it. They can't risk it. You know, and, and, and there's new stories now about Fannie Willis, the prosecutor in Georgia. There's another story that just broke about this now, the improper relationship that she had with this guy who she hired to go after Trump. I mean, this Georgia thing is is it's this is over. This thing is is over. I mean, New York Post is a story they published it a short time ago, and they actually now are showing the receipts, like the actual credit card receipts. 
um, because his whole thing is that his 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 wife, his ex wife, is saying, "Hey, listen, like you know that I should be getting some of that money." She's claiming that he's he, he basically left her destitute. We are not seeking her deposition as the DA. We are seeking the alleged paramour of my client's husband. I'm sure it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient for all of us. However, I have questions and she needs to answer them. Paramour is the legal word for gumata. You know, I like gumata better than paramour, but paramour to me sounds like some sort of extraterrestrial, like you're having an affair with a ghost or something. But anyway, so Willis brought these charges against Trump and um, then hired this guy, Wade, as a private attorney. And then paid him about seven hundred fifty, anywhere from six hundred fifty to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. And the whole thing about this now is that his his wife, his soon to be ex wife, is saying that he was hiding money from her, and then of course using money to pay for his gumada. And they have they have the receipts now, like, like credit card statements showing that he paid for a Freedom of the Seas. Cruise Miami, um, Hyatt Regency Aruba, sounds lovely. The Norwegian Cruise Line, $3,172.20. The guy's not very good about paying his credit cards without avoiding interest because the interest charge for the total period was $275.61. Now, most people say you should try to pay off your credit card before you get slapped with interest charges. And if the guy's making that kind of cash, I really don't know why he can't, but... Nevertheless, um, he spent more than $1,000 on Freedom of the Seas, according to the documents. So now the, now the receipts are coming out. And the, um, the wife, the ex-wife, is saying she's dependent on bi-weekly payments of $700 directly to her bank account, which she uses for household and personal expenses, but claims he has been withdrawing from his account and has left it routinely overdrawn. She said that her ex is keeping money away from her. She's had to rely on her father for support until he recently passed, leaving her with no source of income. So what's going to happen here is that this guy, Wade, is going to have to go over the income with the judge. And like any other, you know, marital dispute issue when you're dealing with a divorce and you're dealing with money and you've got one side claiming that the other side was hiding money. It's going to be resolved by a judge. The question, and this is the key here, the judge says, it seems to me that Mr. Wade would be the first and best source of information about what his income has been and how he's been spending it, and he would have firsthand knowledge about whether he has engaged in an extramarital affair. So what that means is that he's going to be put on the stand, and he's going to have to say under oath whether or not he did have an extramarital affair, because it's not about having an affair. This is not like a, you know, this, she's not contesting a divorce on those grounds or anything like that. Because in order to establish whether or not he was hiding money from her, the question then becomes, were you having an affair with this person who hired you? And then <clears throat> how much money did, did you make here? And then did you keep it from your wife? Did you hide this in the divorce and do all these other things? So, I mean, once that becomes public... One, Fannie Willis doesn't even have to necessarily testify. I mean, once it's, 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 it's on court record that, yes, he had an affair with her, she hired him, she was using taxpayer dollars to fund this lavish lifestyle of theirs, and separately from that, you know, he's screwing over his soon-to-be ex-wife and, you know, denying her what she's entitled to. This whole thing blows up in a big, big way. And... 
And the judge, you know, this judge here, who's, it, it, this is, I mean, this is bad. You know, this is bad. And it's all going to happen very, very soon, like February 2nd. So all this is going to come out really, really soon. And then that means that she's going to be off the case. He's going to be off the case. And then the Trump-Georgia case is it's done. It's over. It's, it's over. So that's where that goes. It goes nowhere. So the Democrats' dreams of stopping Trump using the courts are over. Now the only question left to them is, is how they stop Trump from winning, winning against Biden. And if that means and then they've got to get rid of Biden, if that's what they have to do because it's the only chance they have, well, then they'll do it. They will They will do it. They'll find a way. All right, listen, have a great rest of your night. Tomorrow we will preview New Hampshire again on Tuesday. And uh, don't forget, we've got two great events coming up, Parks Casino and our Terry Hayes event. So make sure you join us for both, okay? Have a great rest of your night. Thank you for listening to the show. See you tomorrow. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.